0: Now, six o'clock, we will start the Vacaville City Council meeting. It is August 23rd and we have a roll call, please.
1: Council agency authority member Sullivan.
2: Here.
1: Stockton. Here. Ritchie. Here. Silva. Here. Wiley. Here. Vice Mayor, Vice Chair Roberts. Here. Mayor, Chair Roulette.
0: I am here. If you would please stand with me for a moment of silence.
2: Member Stockton, would you like to lead us in a pledge? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the
3: republic
0: for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, liberty, and justice for all. Okay, so um, we have any changes to the agenda tonight? We do not. I will entertain motion. Motion and second, all those in favor? Aye, any opposed? All right, it's unanimous. We will move to item four, approval of the minutes. I'll entertain motion. All those in favor? Aye, any opposed? Unanimous. Item five, presentations, I see none. Number six, consent. Anyone on the council that would like to pull anything off the consent calendar? And I do see one, Mr. Silva, which item would you like to pull off tonight?
4: Um, just...
2: Um, everybody. Okay, we will not pull anything off from the council.
0: Anybody from the uh, audience that would like to pull an item off consent? Item off consent, thank you. Seeing none, I'll entertain motion for no. consent calendar. No. I got a motion second, all those in favor? Any opposed? Consent calendar is passed. And it was a lot. Okay, so we're going to jump to business from the floor. This is time to address the city council with issues that are not on this agenda, but are within the council matter jurisdiction. And I will get your microphones hot here in a second.
2: And you're on, go ahead.
5: Thank you council members for all that you do for our city. I'm a resident since 1986, my name is Deborah Snell and I'm here to address a letter that I received from the city for notification of change to the flood insurance rate map. I have a big question on what number has been turned into FEMA for the rate map because the most important component to the city's long-term flood control plan. And I apologize for my breathing. I'm going in for surgery day after tomorrow. You're okay, take your time. um, so the most important component in the city's long-term flood control plan for reducing the risk of flooding within the urban areas along Alamo Creek and around uh, concerning the regional detention basin. However, they have never constructed the basin or an alternative. Significant flood risking has come to my home year after year since 2004 or five flood. And each year I have to leave my home um, necessary to avoid danger, engineering reports predict the construction of the Alamo Mixed Use Project is required to construct a new the building pads above the hundred-year flood level elevation. But what elevation has been presented to FEMA? The one with the basin that has already been approved financially and to construct, but has not been constructed yet. That is my biggest concern, and this. Uh, requirement also is evidence that there is still flooding risk. Even if the proposed on site detention basin construction is maintained and the same engineering reports <coughs> have an oxymoron on, on it saying that the project does not cause increase to the area. So hear me clearly. I ask that no increased projects happen until the original basin that has already been financially approved, regional detention basin, is built. Thank you. Right. Thank you very much. I do have one more concern, if sure. I may. It's yeah, totally please. different. That's okay. The Street of West crossing over Monte Vista took out the front of my car in 2013 and just four days ago spared the life after a collision with my son. And I'm asking if this city can put a light at West and Monte Vista. Thank you so much.
0: I see. I see Mr. Burke writing that down. Thank you. Any other comments from the floor before I close it?
6: Mayor, <coughs> members of the council, I'm Dale Fredericks <coughs> with DG Power, a developer of energy projects. Uh, <coughs> some of you served on the council a few years ago may recall that <coughs> I began working with st- city staff <coughs> on a battery storage energy project in this area. Um, and I mentioned it tonight because you have another battery storage project on your agenda for consideration. These are necessary for the public power grid to run reliably. They're great systems, we'll be building them all over the state to support reliable green energy as California transitions away from fossil fuels. So some of you were here on February 25 of 2020 when this council declared a 50 acre parcel called Gibson Creek a uh, wastewater storage treatment plant site, which had been owned by the city for decades as surplus property. We went through that process together. I've since been working with staff to try to develop that project site for a battery storage facility. It's a great site for everyone because it's right next to the PG&E Baca-Dixon substation. And we interconnect <coughs> literally across the fence. Um, last fall, <coughs> we, had asked the staff to bring to council an option to purchase for my company, to enter in a contract with the city to purchase that site. And that would enable us to go forward then with further development, start the sequel process and so on. And it's my understanding that in a closed session, some of the council members had gotten information that at another site at Moss Landing, there had been a fire at a battery storage plant. And it turned out after further investigation on everyone's part, there had been an incident at Moss Landing, but it wasn't a fire. It wasn't a battery storage equipment fire. It was in fact a failure of some fire suppression equipment at that location. And it was misreported in the Monterey newspaper and TV that there was a fire. So we did a lot of investigation. I've been working with the owner of that project, the, Vistory Energy people who have not only owned that, it's back online, they've expanded it. The state PUC has approved their project, the expansion of it, so it's perfectly safe. And I would be planning with staff and your all consent to bring this project back onto the front burner for consideration uh, on the option to purchase the site so that we can move forward with it. It's It's a larger site than the one you'll be hearing about tonight, well, I think both of them will be very good for this city.
2: Great, thank you.
7: Hi. Hello, sir.
2: My name is William Carlson
8: and I have a property owner at 107 Luzina. And I was here actually four weeks ago and my concern was the the virgin that was made for the, You took, took the left turn out of West Street, do you remember now? And um the, the plan was to maybe have them go down to the mason and clean turn by the cleaners or whatever Well, the, the, what, what's happening is they're all they do the quick little left on walnut and go through the alley and the alley is a service alley oh, we all right. live in these alleys so we can't we can't use our alleys now, that alley anymore or the one I have, I live at 131 Lazina and my rental property is at 107 I have an ADU, and you can't even get get your car out because car it's it's a free, What are we going to do with that? Right. You know, and this it's it's not a street. Did uh, the staff talk I, it, to you? You were supposed to call me the day after.
0: Did the staff talk to you after you left the diet No, they I received
8: the... a call. It was going to be the next day. They said. You want to
0: grab him when he walks back there?
8: Yeah, was, that's. It, I just thought. Mr. Oh, Burke will take I, care. of you. Okay, so I didn't want to just repeat the whole story. No, and I
0: appreciate that.
8: Okay, so uh, nothing had been
0: done. Great, thank you, sir. Okay, have a nice night. You too, sir. I'm gonna close public comment. And we will move to item eight, public hearings. There is none. We'll move to item nine, assistant city manager. Would you like to start it off?
9: Thank you, Mr. Mayor and members of the council. This next item is a presentation on the Northeast growth area and economic development opportunities through land use planning and a request to provide staff direction. We have Aaron Morris, our community development director and Don Burris, economic development director to present the item.
2: It makes hot.
10: Good evening, Mayor Roulette and members of council. My name is Aaron Morris and I'm the community development director here. Um, And with me co-presenting is economic development services director, Don Burris. Uh, We're gonna tag team a bit in this presentation. So the purpose of tonight's item and the action for the council's consideration, uh, we'll start with a presentation from staff explaining the Northeast growth area and some background on this important part of our city. And then we're requesting that you direct staff to develop an action plan to prepare a specific plan for future consideration by this council and to initiate a zoning code map amendment to clarify the interim zoning regulations. I promise the background will stay brief because I wanna focus on the heart of the issue, but in 2008, importantly, the city set an urban growth boundary, which limits how far out the city of Vacaville is going to go uh, through sometime in the 2030s. So, um, at when we did our general plan in 2015, it, looks at, it looked at 20 years and it thought, you know, what's gonna happen in the next 20 years? Identified two growth areas that were really not expected to move forward with development um, immediately, and so they were sort of identified for future consideration. Uh, both of these growth areas, both the Northeast and the East of Leisure Town, are within the urban growth boundary. Um, so uh, the thought was the thought at the time was in 2015, you know, the Northeast Growth Area will be a kind of a reserve. We're probably not gonna need it. But some significant things have happened since 2015, and most notably the 2019 biotechnology and advanced manufacturing strategy. And as Mr. Burris will explain, and I think as a lot of you are aware from the media coverage, et cetera, this initiative has successfully attracted significant new investment in Vacaville uh, since it was launched. And frankly, it spurred a lot of interest in additional land development opportunities that would not have been able to be anticipated back in 2015. So as you all know, our city has three business parks. We have the Vaca Valley Business Park, which is approximately 400 acres. Uh, this is the site where TransWestern is building almost 400,000 square feet of biomedical and other um, new buildings. That's also where Polaris is. Uh, in that business park, we have approximately 40 acres that are unclaimed. In the Vacaville Golden Hills Business Park, it is comprised of 640 acres. Uh, we have one, thing, one big big building under construction there right now, but this area is also running out of land. And then our third business park is the Interchange Business Park, 670 acres. And this is where uh, Metler Toledo Rainin has recently taken on an almost 100,000 square foot of manufacturing use in that location with expansion plans. So I think the point I'm just trying to make is we do have three business parks. Um, They were mostly planned back in the 70s. They are getting full of a lot of the good things we wanna have happen in our city. And that takes us to the Northeast Growth Area. So it's 1,400 acres. Most of it is unincorporated within our urban growth boundary. Although 600 acres approximately are in the city limits and are zoned. Um, In our general plan in 2015, identified this as a very important economic growth area. Um, and importantly, it also established this technology park land use designation that's intended to foster the exact kind of development that's currently happening in our existing business parks and that wants to happen more in our area. Um, the general plan set forth the set of policies and I promise I'm only gonna go through a few of them But the goal was that there would be comprehensive planning through a specific plan process before development would occur in this area to make sure that it achieves these economic development objectives, while also bringing an opportunity for housing and parks and public services and just the kind of things you'd wanna have as part of a well-planned community. This is the map of the area we're talking about. I didn't plan to spend a lot of time on showcasing it, but I would just note that the colors on the map that are gray designated technology park These are these larger sites, um, two of which are directly adjoined 80, a very important three mile corridor that runs through this growth area. Um, Just of note, these colors weren't intended to remain exactly where they are. The thought was during the specific plan process, planned land uses would be figured out through infrastructure studies and other important work. And then ultimately that final general plan um, diagram of planned uses would be established. So a few general plan policies for your consideration that would guide our work in this area. Uh, Policy LULP18.3 requires that a specific plan for the Northeast Growth Area be prepared to ensure coordinated plans for land uses, public facilities and public services. And of note, there's a policy that there has to be a comprehensive infrastructure master plan because we have to figure out infrastructure for the whole area as part of doing any kind of effective land use planning up there. Um, the policy LULP1, P18.1, that the area shall primarily be developed with jobs generating uses. Um, I'm not gonna read all this. Mr. Burris here will talk about some of the jobs generating uses that we think could find a really good home in the area. Um, The other thing of note from that though is that there is a discouragement of residential uses getting out ahead of the jobs generating uses. And that's intended to be protective of these future technology park lands and making sure that they're able to accomplish what we wanna accomplish with with complementary housing to support that. And then I think probably the policy that's really at the heart of the Northeast Growth Area is that the technology park designation, which was custom created in 2015 for the Northeast Growth Area is intended for these properties that are over hundred acres inside to facilitate large technology and business campuses. And our policy specifically says that they shall not be subdivided into smaller parcels for the purposes of developing several unrelated uses. So again, existing land use policy is very protective of the technology park because of some of the things it could do for our city. Um, On the topic of zoning, I mentioned earlier, we have about 600 acres of this growth area in the city has city zoning. Our current land use and development code, which was just updated uh, this summer after 30 years, um, it allow has minimal zoning regulations for this area um, in recognition that in order for the area to be developed, we have to do the specific plan. And that's actually gonna provide all of those detailed zoning regulations uh, for the 1400 acres. And so that's part of why staff's recommending not only that you initiate a specific plan, but also that you initiate a zoning overlay is to just make it a little clearer to folks that come into the, my counter, the planning and building counter that while we have some interim zoning, there's actually important general plan policies that they should be aware of as they embark on whatever uh, they'd like to to do up there. So um, I know that this council knows what a specific plan is because I was here with my staff a while back when I first started working here actually with the specific plan for downtown. But just broadly, specific plans are more fine grained than general plans and they allow the city to do things you can't really accomplish just zoning or high level general plan. You basically, we would be able to craft detailed development standards and implementation measures that would make sure that this area turns into what our general plan envisions. And so I have two slides, one's on opportunities and one's on challenges, but as we look at these together, some of them could be both. Um, A big opportunity that the Northeast Growth Area has is that it has three miles of I-80 frontage. This is prime land for technology parks and for other land uses that really like that visibility Um, and Frank could be a new entryway into our city. Uh, There's a lot of land up there and that's one of the challenges. It's also one of the opportunities. There's plenty of space for lots of different things to happen through a specific plan. We would ensure that the things we wanna have happen, happen and that complementary things can happen too. The plan does envision um, housing, but again, it's a timing factor, hopefully behind the um, economic development items. A specific plan provides a great opportunity for collaboration with property owners, people from the business community, the community at large and other stakeholders to make sure that the resulting plan is really embraced by everyone. And then I'm gonna go to the challenges. Um, There's a lot of infrastructure study to do. This area does not have sewer. Um, It has very very um, deficient roadway infrastructure. Construction of things up there will require freeway interchange upgrades. I mean, water system upgrades It's gonna be very extensive. So that's just one of the things that has to be tackled as part of doing the specific plan. Um, Another factor, um, if the council recall, you just updated the AB 1600 fees. That did not include fees for the Northeast growth area. So the thought is that part of the specific plan, a companion effort, is to establish impact fees. So when people build things up there, they're paying their fair share toward constructing these infrastructure projects. Um, A concern for the specific plan is that piecemeal proposals in the interim could compromise our final outcomes. And then lastly, it would not be fair to be here before you without acknowledging that if we move forward with a specific plan, we have to figure out how we're gonna pay for it. That's always a consideration for land use planning activities.
11: Good evening, Mayor. Vice Mayor City Council members, Don Burris, Director of Economic Development Services. Uh, for this part of the presentation, I wanted to share with you what some of the emerging industries are that we'll be able to locate in our new Northeast uh, Growth Area Technology Park. Um, so uh, as we do have our biotechnology and advanced manufacturing strategy, I will lead off uh, with that information. Uh, two basic categories I wanna cover. One would be life sciences, and the next would be industrial. I know we have not talked much about industrial biotechnology, uh, but that is one of the uh, industry segments that is exploding right now, and is a new opportunity for us with our strategy as well. Uh, So in the life science area, um, advanced biomanufacturing is is one of the categories as well uh, that's been expanding all across the world globally, not just locally. Um, what we have are many, many biotechnology companies um, that are primarily located here in Northern and Southern California and on the East Coast in Boston and New York. Um, a lot of the companies now are virtual, uh, so they need production facilities. We very well could be in three different parts of the country working on on uh, on science and technology collaboratively doing that research, but the need for a production facility is is what's really driving some of the demand in the industry. Um, Also driving that demand would be uh, another product, which um, I think you're all familiar with, um, contract manufacturing organizations. So those organizations that actually produce product for companies, not just biotech companies, but companies in general that do not have their own manufacturing facility. So we uh, have had a lot of interest from contract, contract manufacturing organizations to locate production facilities in Vacaville. Why is that important for us? The contract manufacturing organizations will hire primarily biomanufacturing technicians. that are, that is the the main workforce that Sallaomo College is producing for uh, for the region. Um, it, it is one hundred percent placement, and council Member Silva, you know, I'm sorry that I'm stepping in your area, but our community college actually has one hundred percent placement for our biomanufacturing technicians. We're not looking at uh, attracting industry where there needs to be PhDs and masters, and we're not doing research and development, we're doing pharmaceutical production. Um, The next area is cell and gene therapy, um, which again, our community college has created the first certificate program in the United States to produce those graduates who could also work in those types of facilities. Um, The next area would be vaccine development we've been in contact with our own federal government about becoming a repository uh, for vaccines and for vaccine development uh, through the BioMADE program and others. And lastly, med tech industries, which um, translates into uh, like wearable devices, medical device technology. um, To give you a good idea, uh, if you have seen the commercials, um, there is a product called Libra. It is a wearable device for people uh, that suffer from diabetes. It's a little disc that goes on their arm. That would be an easy example of what a medical device could be. Uh, industrial biotechnology. So these are bioindustrial products. What are bioindustrial products? So that would be cosmetics, flavorings, fragrances, and even something as simple as vegetable oils. Um, that industry itself is actually exploding right now. Our federal government has created a federal program called Biomade to encourage the development of bioindustrial products all across the United States. They're looking for 13 centers of excellence uh, to promote the production of these products. And then last, bioenergy products. And I think you all might be aware of some of those um, bioenergy products, basically biofuels that could be made from products such as algae or um, harvest uh, residuals from harvesting crops and, and even organic waste. So these are the emerging industries uh, that are prepared, now that are prepared to really explode. The problem is where, where do they go to? The next category is industrial technology. So this is nothing to do with biotechnology, but to let you know there are other industries that we are well positioned for uh, with uh, expanding and creating this technology part. Um, so robotics companies, biometrics, Uh, augmented virtual reality products, and 3D printing production. There are companies right now in the United States looking for 3D printing production locations. I know it sounds crazy, but we can actually 3D print homes. Uh, it's, (laughs) It's beyond our imagination what this technology does now. So our new technology park designation for the Northeast Growth Area sets us up for all of these industries. The beautiful part about all these industries, and I'll say it once again, Our Solano College is probably the best kept secret in all of Northern California. We have programs to provide this talented workforce for all of these industries.
10: We've reached the conclusion of our presentation um, and we're very much available to answer any questions you have. The recommendation is that you direct staff to develop an action plan to prepare a specific plan for the Northeast growth area. And we'd bring that back to the council for further consideration and direction. And that you direct us to initiate a zoning code map amendment to clarify the interim zoning regulations in this area. Thank you.
0: Great, thank you very much for the presentation. I actually, uh, I'm gonna open it up to the public. But before I do, (coughs) so I do have an issue and, and I need you to, fix it tonight for me. So we were going to have the battery powered folks come to us a month ago. For whatever reason it got pushed off. Now it's sitting behind tonight's item. Um, And I've I've been open with you, Mm -hmm. been open with Aaron. Um, I'm sitting here tonight and I don't have enough police officers policing our streets. I don't have enough firefighters in our buildings Mm -hmm. and we are under a huge demand to get folks to come to Vacaville and I need to find monies to do that. That being said, I've sat up here and I've screamed that hey, this is fantastic. This is a turning point for Vacaville. Biotech is gonna be amazing here in Vacaville. It's gonna be what puts us really on the map. So my issue is, and I want you to fix it, is I need to figure out, I want this, bi- this battery storage place I want to move this forward too, but you have to tell me tonight how we're gonna do both, at least so we can listen to the folks. Because there's a lot of money to be made for the city of Vacaville with this battery storage facility. And if we sit on it, and I don't see any growth in the next 15 years, then we lost a lot of money. Now, if we put it there and we lose biotech, we lost a lot of money. But we gotta figure out how we're gonna make that work. And we, I don't wanna cut one out tonight, for another, I want to say, let's try to look at both of them. And if we can make that motion tonight, that's something I would be interested in making. But I want to make sure that we're looking at both and not cutting one out over the other, because I don't want to lose money if we can get money. It would be easy if I had a magic you know, ball right now and said, oh, okay, I know someone's coming in for biotech, but we can't promise that. And I know people are saying that, I, I know that and I'm excited to hear that. It'd be great if they were already here or if they had already purchased the land, but I have someone saying, hey, you know, we have something that we could put up and possibly take down and give you a lot of money while you're waiting for this whole thing, because this is gonna take a long time. I've watched these things, so it takes a long time. So while we're sitting there, let's make some money, okay? And I, I want you to figure out how we can make that motion tonight because that's the motion I'd like to make. I'm gonna open up public comment.
12: Good City Council Mayor. Um, appreciate your words, real quick, Ron, but uh, still gonna go, give my speech tonight. Uh, first, of all, I'd like to say thanks for allowing me to speak tonight. My name is Kyle Swarns, and I'm a field representative with Carpenters Local 180, representing roughly 2,000 members in this region. I would like to ask the Council to please have staff include battery storage when they prepare a Pacific plan. We all know the energy crisis we face with rising costs and electricity bills, power outages because of the lack of energy. Lawmakers are working on legislation to make sure these types of projects are included in the cities. With the most recent bill being AB 205. As a state, we are heading in that direction. I'm asking the council to please direct staff to include battery storage in this specific plan that they're gonna be proposing to you in the near future. Thank you for your time. Thank you.
2: If you know you're gonna speak, you can line up
13: Three minutes goes quick. Go ahead. Good evening, Mayor and members of the council. My name is Stephen Ahn. Uh, I'm here on behalf of Corby Energy Storage, LLC. Um, I'm representing the project as a project manager. And um, um, I just wanted to, um, our project is next item on the agenda, but I wanted to, um, for now, request that The battery storage to be included in the interim uses, and also that um, clarified in the zoning code map amendment proposed by the city planning. I believe that battery storage can complement future development of the northeast growth area, providing the necessary infrastructure um, for the region. Um, We are more than willing to work with the city um, in and advance both zoning code. map amendment in conjunction with our project. So, thank you. Great, thank you. Next
2: speaker. We're gonna have all these comments and all these comments. let hear the
14: next item and then come back to this. I have a feeling we're gonna have the exact same commentary the second time. And it,
0: it I think it's different.
14: Okay. I believe it's different. So we're all speaking about the next item.
0: I think they're just saying that you should think about the next item while we, go ahead, sir.
7: Good evening, mayor and city council members, and thank you for uh, the opportunity to speak. Uh, My name is Martin Fitch. Uh, I represent the owners of a 40 acre parcel in the Northeast Development Area. Uh, It's on Weber Road. It was purchased by my dad and his partner in 1976. It was an airport. I don't know how many of you are familiar with it. For a time, the uh, glider operation operated out of it, and the airport was closed in 1993. Uh, and since that time, the property is basically sat vacant. Uh, in the middle 80s, my dad and his partner, Duncan Miller, uh, purchased in advance water connection rights. We've now been waiting for 40 years almost for the opportunity to hook up but there's no water there. And uh, I don't think we can wait another 40 years. <laughs> so I'm hoping that this project moves forward. Uh, we we would like to sell our property and see a higher use for the property. It, it has been zoned and it is in the city limits and it's been zoned industrial the entire time, yet it has sat there vacant. Uh, we currently have an interested buyer uh, and it's, you're looking for more money. The property taxes on this one parcel would probably increase as much as 20 fold Uh, it would make a significant difference. Uh, If the buyer were able to develop it, it would also produce jobs. And we believe that it should, until we get to the point where you've got active technology park happening, if an interim use can be found that would benefit the person with the use, benefit us as a seller, benefit you as a city to increase the value of the property out there. And if it could be developed as an interim use, and what they're proposing is a flat uh, construction, storage equipment yard, no buildings, doesn't require sewer, as you've been told, there is no sewer, there is no water. Uh, but we do have electricity on this parcel and they could do what they want to do and they could... uh, I need you to wrap up. And they could return the property to you for Technology Park usage uh, when the demand was there. We've had... Thank you very much. No offers. Thank you. Next next speaker. Thank you.
15: Mayor, vice mayor and council members, my name is Brian Griggs. I am the buyer that Mr. Fitch just uh, referred to. And I sent you a pretty elaborate uh, memo on Sunday that I think is part of the public record now, kind of outlining the reasons why I feel we should try and move forward and try and hopefully have you direct staff to proceed on the use that we're proposing. It's a use that's zoned currently. It's not in conformance with the general plan. We fully support the vision of the general plan, what staff's talking about long-term it's kind of unique in that we can do relatively minor improvements to the property. And then when it's time to leave, those tenants will leave. We'd hope to be part of the new business park, part of the new biotechnology park. And I just don't, our concern is that time would run against us if we have to go through a full zoning code amendment. And that process is a lengthy amendment. I mean, at least lengthy process with various you know, requirements of legislation, different levels, different approvals. So what I'm asking tonight is that you would, support staff's overall recommendations, and in addition, support direct staff to try and enter an agreement with us that would give staff the legal means if we didn't move off the property, not to squat. So if that meant it was a stipulated judgment, whether we had talked about a development agreement previously to try and have some meat against the the property, we can record uh, deeds against it to limit the uses, financial penalties, et cetera. So if you have any questions, please let me know, and thank you for your service. Thank you very much.
2: Turn yourself off. Yeah, that's okay Thank
3: you very Much, I'll be brief. Um, I, I think I, my name is Gary Tierra. My partner and I own property in the uh, in the areas that we're, we're speaking of. Um, we farm there currently. Um and I think I think staff ha- made an excellent presentation. I would just add and suggest that uh, battery storage um, would actually be more of a marketing tool and benefit um, the um, the sales pitch that the city' is giving for technology park and everything else because with the initiatives both on the federal and the state level for clean energy, green energy but more importantly when when the technology park builders come, one of the questions they're asked or the homes, residentials, you know where's my power if i'm if I'm going to put in an elaborate, technology business, it's gonna require constant power. I I don't wanna be subjected to brownouts and rollouts. And so I think battery storage is probably additive and um, a good marketing tool for, for, for what staff wants to do. Valid point, thank you.
16: Good evening,
17: Mayor, Council. My name is Dana Dean and I'm here tonight on behalf of Corby battery storage and Nextera energy. Um, With regard to the specific plan, I wanna say when I saw the agenda Friday and I saw the specific plan came before our item, which you're gonna hear next 19B, I was a little distressed because it would be wildly inappropriate to bring forward what would be a three, four, possibly I've seen 10 year process and advance it in front of a project that's in the pipeline. So that concerned me. But when I read further, I saw implicit in the report that staff understood the length of time. And I'm telling you, I'm a land use attorney. I have seen specific plans take 10 years. And given that you're already seven years out of compliance with the general plan, that'd just be wildly unfair for the, to hold these properties in limbo for that entirety. So it seems like staff understood that and asked you to put forward direction to initiate a zoning code map amendment, which frankly, I think it's a great idea. So long as it includes battery storage among the interim zoning descriptions. Um, And frankly, it's kind of an elegant solution to to the issue before us, um, which I'll detail more in our next item but I would say we came forward with a text amendment to the zoning ordinance application because after meeting with these two fine folks, we felt like that was what was needed and we were trying to help move this process forward. It's not a very different vehicle than a zoning code map amendment and either could work in the circumstance. So long as they they move forward at a somewhat rapid pace, I would have, Mr. Griggs would be shocked that I would disagree with him about something. But I think the zoning code map amendment could go certainly much, much faster and within the timelines that we're looking for. Um, And we're very happy to participate in that process. We've already committed to the city manager and others that we would play our role in the specific plan process, as well as members of that Northeast Corridor community. So um, we're, we would be supportive of the of this whole situation and participate in it, so long as the zoning code map amendment included battery storage and staff was direct directed to move forward efficiently, quickly, so that we could get going. Great. Thank you. Thank
2: you. Next speaker. Good evening, Mr. Mayor. Uh, my name is Mark Wheeler, I'm
18: sorry, and vice mayor and council members. Uh, my name is Mark Wheeler, a, a Vacaville resident for 20 years or so. I don't live here now, but I've been in the, in the area for a long time. Um, I'm with Keywood Infrastructure West Company. We're a heavy civil uh, construction company based in Fairfield. Um, we would be the general contractor on the Corby Batteries um, project. Uh, would a union contractor. Um, we have strong ties with local unions with the uh, laborers, the um, carpenters, and the um, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and the um, electricians and the operators. And um, we've been doing work in the in the Northern California area for uh, since the 60s when we built the Bart tube going underneath the, the bay kind of a cool project. Um, Since then, we've done a lot of heavy civil projects in the area, such as um, residential and commercial site development projects, water, wastewater infrastructure, and uh, bridges and roadways. A large percentage of our workforce, our craft workforce, lives in the uh, Fairfield-Vacaville corridor here. And um, uh, due to its central location for for the whole region, um, historically, our workers go where the work is. And um, that's a that's a hardship on a lot of our workers, and um, when you get a project like this in our backyard that um, that we can go do and we can we can help our workers work close to home and improve incru- improve their quality of life, it's a big deal for us. Um, and so, this project brings significant construction workers uh, to work close to home. And uh, it's a fast paced multi-trade project that uh, we wholly support. And I just wanted to uh, encourage you to consider. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Good to see you. All
0: right, I'm gonna close public comment. I'm gonna bring it back.
7: Hello, Mayor and all. Um, I'm Brent Wolf. I own a house directly across the street from this proposal. I just have some concerns with safety, explosion, fire. I've been out there since 1983 when everything used to flood out there. Uh, Things are better there, but um, explosion, fire, chemical contamination potential, um, cooling, ETUs, What, what all is this battery going to do? The values of my property. You put a big battery complex right across the street. Okay. Something to think
2: about. Understood. Thank,
7: thank you.
0: you. I'm gonna close public comment and bring it back to the city council. I have Councilmember Silva. Go ahead, sir.
4: Um, thank you. <clears throat> and thanks for the folks uh, speaking up. Um, and thank you, sir, uh, for stepping up uh, you know to you know express your concerns as well. So the uh, the the item that's on here is whether or not we would approve pursuing um, giving direction to staff to uh, to develop an action plan to repair a specific plan, and then uh, re basically clarify a zoning code. So through that process, is there a process for businesses, um, uh, process for civilians, is there a process for absolutely everybody, all the stakeholders to actually contribute towards that?
10: Absolutely, um, both processes would be happening at the same time. Um, we have to figure that out in the action plan that would come to council. But yes, both processes would involve ample opportunities for public input and participation.
4: Okay. So, all right. Well, it sounds like there's there that uh, there's that opportunity for everybody to pitch in uh, as far as how we structure the zoning goes. Um, one of the things that, um, and I just wanna kind of clarify, You know, uh, I forget who mentioned it, but it said uh, benefit to the people. And I think, um, you know, one, one thing about this, this effort that we're trying to expand into is there's multiple benefits to multiple people, uh, and not just for uh, a one-time job, but ongoing jobs, continuous, uh, continuous employment. You know, a lot of folks, they talk about equity and whatnot um, to the point, like, it's kind of overused, in my opinion, not kind of, it is. Um, but this, these fields allow people to be the first time in their family line to ever buy a home, to buy a home. The first time in generations to buy a home. And that ongoing uh, opportunity to build that generational wealth is really key. You know, we see, I, I know there's different things going on, um, stuff of, you know, I hear little different rumors, Are I see people tour our labs at the, at the college. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I, uh, you know, things are moving, maybe they're not moving fast enough for a lot of folks. Uh, But these are opportunities that people are using real money and investing um, into something that may be coming right away or maybe taking a while to come through. Um, But the fact is things are moving and for years they may not have. And this whole council uh, put down, uh, put their vote down to support this initiative to how do we get these jobs that bring in for every one job that uh, these particular fields hire, it brings in eight additional jobs. And so for me, uh, I'm happy to support what uh, everything is directed. Um, I respect the mayor's, um, you know, goal. Uh, but uh, as far as trying to figure out a plan, I, I think maybe there's another way uh, to talk about the next item. But as far as you know, uh, as I see it, I think we support the two recommendations as written.
0: Councilmember Sullivan.
14: I don't have too much to add to Councilmember Silva's comments. I, I do, I mean, I, the temporary nature of some of the proposals don't necessarily bug me. I mean, I don't know if we can work that in or not. I mean, a construction yard in my mind makes sense, maybe temporarily, you know, and I know we've talked a little bit about even the battery project being temporary, but you know, there's some some problems there. So I don't know if there is any ability to have a temporary project or process. I mean, I think if the land's gonna sit there for 10 or 15 years, that's sort of okay with me. I mean, it, it otherwise it's just sitting there. So. Um, I guess that's the one thing I would kind of add. I, I pretty much support what Councilman Priscilla is saying. I mean, I think we've had, we, we need job centers. I, we have the average back resident has a 28 mile commute each way out of town every morning on average. We've got to have jobs here, you know? And so I, I also think, and I'm not going to try to jump too far in the next item, but I think there's probably a way to get everything that we want today from all parties. And I think we can actually find a compromise for everybody. But um, the, the temporary nature of some of the proposals doesn't bug me.
0: Council Member Wiley. Uh,
16: thanks for the information and all the people who are commenting. I also agree that it looks like something to pursue so that we can have jobs. And it just seems like it takes a long time, sometime for things to, to happen. But you said things have been going at a quicker speed lately. But I do feel like if we are voting on it, we need to include the language to say, uh, including battery storage, just so it doesn't get uh, lost before we talk about the next item.
19: Council member Ritchie. Thank you, much, President. Almost better now. <clears throat> okay. Thank you for the presentation. Um, so, I still lose my voice, so sorry. Um, President's amazing. I, I think silver really hit on the, the topics of like really what I was thinking about, like kind of being, we're, we all took a, kind of a unanimous vote here to make sure we look for the future, not just for the now. And I, I really think that advancing the, the initiative written is, is important, but I really liked, you know, Brian's presentation of like the interim use and so I had the conversation with staff today in regards to the usage of the property, right? The certain things that are fixed to the property, like building a hotel, something that's a fix, it's not gonna be movable. If we do need that site in say ten years of forward progress every day we try to make that site better for the technology park. Any usage that we can, that we can have like a a development agreement where, hey, they go into an agreement the business arrangement. You can use a site for subject purposes, but at some point in time, that zoning will expire as long as both we'll, parties are amicable. I think it's awesome. So I think we should really look at all opportunities for anyone that wants to use the, the, the zoning under the scope of the general plan that, we, that we're hopefully going to approve to really go forward and produce income, produce jobs in the interim, as long as they have an understanding that they can go into a development agreement and they will be a, a kind of sunsetting other business on the site. So therefore, the major goal of having a technology park could be produced. Um, I know the conversation I that he Sylvia, has talked about, I had earlier, you know, the, the amount of square feet that you can build, <coughs> I guess it's better now, <coughs> like an Amazon warehouse, they can do a whole warehouse now or 100,000 square feet, it might take six workers. So I want to make sure that the the in usage of that park doesn't have a two hundred thousand square foot building. <clears throat> that technology could only have five workers. I want to make sure the technology park can serve thousands of people. That therefore it brings like a tree. You have a thousand workers of every level. that therefore you have all these auxiliary companies that come to serve those people, like restaurants, hotels, gas stations, cafes. This is that technology park is not just going to be just. Techie people its going to bring life to the community and then housing across all spectrums. So I think it's important to really do this and make sure we have the interim usage. understand that everything takes time, but let's make money during the interim. So whatever we can do that makes money during the process, we should go for. But we need to make sure that the master goal is written down in the general plan that at some point you need to adjust or get out of the way. But I think the major use is, I want to make sure there's jobs, that all talking about, where therefore, like, on that site, per acre, you might be able to produce 3,000 jobs, as opposed to three, if it's a, a warehouse with technology. So I think the overall goal needs to be met. Sorry, my voice is on.
0: <coughs> Thank you very much. Council Member Wiley. It
16: was a little difficult to hear, but I... I don't want to just say, oh, interim use, everything interim use, because then you've got everything hooked up and then the people or the companies that look at it, say, well, wh- where's the property? So I wanna really be careful about what interim users use is used and the requirements to set that up.
0: Thank you, and and I agree with you. And so I want you, or the city attorney, to help me through this motion. So I'm gonna motion that we start the process Are you gonna wanna jump in on me? I did, I
11: wanted to share some information with you. Okay, please. So as part of our due diligence to make sure that we could provide you with with the best information, the best recommendation, we did take the opportunity to reach out to uh, several of the developers that have reached out to us to talk about developing this new technology park for us. Um, I I, um, won't read all of the information that they provided to us. We did kind of a small focus group with uh, Cushman Wakefield uh, Newmark and CBRE. Uh, so to address some of the comments, um, when it comes to the technology park, uh, I will give you this one part of the, the quote. Um, Your assessment is correct that a cutting edge technology park is needed. Uh, demand uh, continue will continue for years to come. Uh, collectively, we can tell you that we desperately need a new technology park as of yesterday. Um, the Bay Area is out of land. Vacaville not only has the best location and the most amount of available land, You have the labor here and the pipeline to continue to develop more talent. We wholeheartedly support your efforts in the Northeast Growth Area and are willing to partner uh, in your efforts to identify and recruit the best companies to Vacaville. Fantastic. Um, So one of the things they shared with us as well is um, when it comes to the battery project, which I would share in our next presentation, but since we're actually discussing that at this moment is that they do not believe that that battery project at that site is anywhere near an attraction to bring in the type of companies that would be interested in being in a cutting edge technology park. So to be very clear from us, from a staff perspective, we are absolutely in support of a battery project. We're just not in support of the use of that particular piece of property.
0: Okay, I I appreciate that. I'm still going to um, ask, or I'm going to make the motion and you guys can make sure that I'm saying it correctly like to move this forward, I'd like to start looking at a specific plan out there. I wanna give the battery storage place an opportunity to come back and pitch us and say, hey, we wanna do a development agreement, this is what's gonna look like, and give this opportunity for this board up here to say yes or no to those folks. And if it doesn't work out, well, it doesn't work out, but I still want that strategic plan moving forward. Um, But I also want you to come back and talk about money. You know, how much is a strategic plan going to cost us? So I I want to make the motion. I want to direct you guys to do what we need to do to start the process, but I need you to bring it back and I need you to leave that window open for Corby. And so we can either decide if we want them or not and at least give them the opportunity to give us the pitch and that's it. They've been trying to work with us a long time, over a year. And all I just want to hear is the pitch. I might not like it, but I might like it. And if we can make it all work, well, then we're fantastic, right? If we don't do it and that's dead dirt sitting out there 15 years from now, I'm gonna call you, Don, and I'll be like, "Uh, Don, what'd you do? So that's my motion. Are you good with my motion?
10: So if I can just clarify, you're moving the staff's recommendation forward with consideration, with direction to um, consider or include a battery storage option in the zoning map amendment? Sure. Does that, does that and I want to work come
0: for back staff? With the amount of money this. Kind of cost
10: I would I would propose we further clarify in the specific plan and zoning map amendment components because okay. we should be looking at it across the 1,400 acres, and within the 600 that we currently have in our city limits.
0: Okay, perfect, good. good. Do I have a second?
10: I need to
4: clarify some of your points you made. Sure. So you just stated that a battery storage place would compromise our ability. So, turn
11: yes that is correct so
4: why would we want to put something that's going to compromise our ability to implement our one of our key priorities i don't understand that so um number two and also if i'm also correct to hear that we're not um there is benefit and merit to the to the battery storage project are there other places that this could possibly go or that the city can engage and collaborate to see where they can go rather than this particular site that doesn't compromise one of our key priorities? Uh,
11: I believe so. Um, uh, several weeks ago, the city manager asked staff to put our heads together and try to find uh, alternative locations so that this site would not be a site that interrupts what our city's goals and objectives are. So. All right, thank you.
0: So I, I wanna help Council Member Silva. So if we go with my motion, and get it passed tonight and a battery storage place wants to go in they can't just go in they have to come see us all and we can shut it down or we can move it forward at that point but tonight i'm not authorizing the battery place i'm just saying give them the opportunity to come back to this board and say hey here's the opportunity this is what we'll give you we'll give you millions and millions of dollars for two years and then you can pull it they could do anything they want but if we don't let them have that opportunity then we just shut that door, and again, that door can just remain vacant. We don't know, we, I watched five, I've grown up here. I've watched 505 remain vacant forever. And now it's flourishing great, but we don't know what's gonna happen. We're watching inflation go crazy. And if I can make some money again, while I'm waiting for the strategic plan to develop and for these folks to start to come in, let's make some money. Let's put public safety back to work. So that's why I'm making that motion. Can I get a second?
4: Can I uh, help the council and the mayor? So based on those comments, um, we have, uh, we talked about wasting time because um, they've been going on it. So if we don't want to waste anybody's time, why would we approve that now? The other point is that it sounds to me, it was why I asked my question earlier, if anybody can be involved in that particular process when we talk about the strategic plan and they can. So it's, so, to say that, hey, we're gonna be able to put this in uh, now, uh, to me seems like it's a waste of time versus looking at other areas. Okay. So, that's my question. Do, guess. I, that's do my I, have guess. I have a second?
0: I'm gonna die for a second? I guess I said. Why okay. I'll, I'll have uh, all in favor. Aye. <coughs> do, is it there, on a question? You You want me to restate yeah. the motion? We're, all we're gonna do is move forward for the strategic plan to get started. We're gonna leave an opportunity for the battery storage place to let us, let them come pitch us one day. It might not go through, it could go through. Either way, we can take a look at it, but it gives them an opportunity instead of shutting the door and saying, we don't want you tonight. So the motion has been made and seconded. You wanna do a roll call vote? Does it seem split, okay.
1: Councilmember Stockton.
20: I'm
4: here
1: pitch yes. Uh, Council member Ritchie.
4: Yes.
1: Council member Silva. No. Council member Wiley. Yes. Vice Mayor Roberts. Yes. Council member Sullivan.
14: I, I guess just, I don't really understand what's happening with this item in the next. And, I mean, we're getting a pitch right after this, so I'm confused, but I, I guess yes. I mean, I I don't know. The order here is weird.
0: Okay, and I'm yes. yes. I think I'm lost. So that item passes. Thank you very much. And we'll go to item 9B.
9: Thank you, Mr. Is- Mayor, members of the council. This next item is a resolution denying a request to initiate an amendment to the Vacaville Municipal Code to create a technology park zoning district for the development of a battery energy storage facility. And we have Aaron Morris, Community Development Director and Don Burris, Economic yes. Development Services Director to present this item.
10: Thank you, Mr. and members of council. Uh, the action before you is a merit hearing to consider whether to support an application to um, create a zoning ordinance um, that amends the technology park designation to allow battery storage on a vacant parcel of land, 160 acres in size located at the southeast corner of North Meridian and Midway Road. This is a vicinity map. I think we do know the area we're talking about, but the yellow star shows where we are relative to the rest of Vacaville. I'm gonna skip that slide because I already covered that one. Uh, This shows the area zoomed in with the 80 bifurcating it and the project site is shown in blue on the left along Meridian Road. And this shows the general plan land use diagram with the site highlighted. Uh, The site is an approximately 160 acre site of which 102 acres is, is designated for Technology Park the request before you is to create a Technology Park zoning district to allow battery storage as a permitted use and to create development standards and regulations for battery storage. Uh, the proposed project that would come out of this is a battery storage facility with ancillary equipment located on land designated for Technology Park It would take up 24 acres of the 160 acre site. uh, So 24 acres of the 102 acre part that is currently designated for Technology Park. It would result in construction jobs and then ultimately one to two maintenance employees would work there um, once the construction's completed. This is an aerial view of the site, thanks to our media crew. Um, It is currently farmland. This shows you the, the site where the battery storage would go. And this is the aerial view now of the battery storage facility um, at that corner. And this is not this facility, but this is an example of what a battery storage facility looks like when implemented. Again, it'll be different because the technology keeps changing, but this was our, I'm just trying to give you a pictorial. So the proposal from the applicant, again, this is the merit hearing. If this is not a decision tonight, whether to approve or not approve. The proposal is whether or not the council wants to entertain it um, and allow them to move forward through a process. So they're proposing that the battery storage facilities would be allowed by right, um, and also minor te- telecommunication facilities and then agricultural activities would be interim uses. They're proposing as conditional uses to go through a discretionary review process. Um, any battery storage facility that does not comply with the standards they're proposing a major telecommunications facilities and any uses that are allowed in the specific plan. The reason why staff does not support the battery storage facility at this technology park site is because the proposal, the proposed zoning amendment is inconsistent with numerous general plan policies, particularly about the technology park sites that are 100 acres in size or greater and not allowing pieces of them to be chunked off for things that are not consistent with the technology park. And I will not belabor this point, uh, but essentially the key issue that planning, the planning department feels is that this battery storage would be happening on a premium location and it could happen elsewhere within the Northeast growth area. Uh, There's 1,400 acres that are not this particular site. And now I turn the presentation over to Don Burris.
11: So um, once again, uh, as far as um, the uses in the technology park, Uh, This definitely supports our biotech and advanced manufacturing initiative. Um, We would not like to remove land from the technology park, uh, which is what this um, request would do. Um, It doesn't help with our future planning uh, for how to utilize the technology park. Doesn't advance our goals uh, to actually bring in high value jobs um, uh, that create uh, a huge economic impact. Um, I've done economic impact analysis on some of the projects that we're currently uh, in conversation with. Um, As a matter of fact, tomorrow we'll be doing um, another site visit with one of the biotech companies interested in coming into um, the um, Valley Business Park. So I've had an opportunity to run the economic impact analysis for those, which I would love to be able to do as well for for the battery project. So, For the smallest project that we're looking at, that is approximately 20 acres, the annual economic impact for us would be $118 million. That's an annual impact, not a one-time impact. One of the things that we need to really consider when we're looking at um, development projects and facilities is that on a regular basis, basis, facilities will need to upgrade their equipment. Each time they upgrade their equipment, the value of that property will increase because the property will be reassessed. That's not the situation with the battery project. There, there's not going to be ongoing um, equipment upgrades that will continue to increase the value uh, of that property, nor would it increase the, the sales, excuse me, the tax revenue generated. One of the bigger issues that we're losing um, um, by not moving forward um, or by moving forward with, uh, with this is that we don't have the multiplier effect um, one of the greatest things we gain from being able to bring in a job creation is that multiplier effect. The amount of money that's spent within our community um, because of these companies, because of the number of employees that are hired. That 118 million I gave you is only 100 employees. That's only 100 employees. We're looking at possibly more than 3,000 employees being on the Vacaville Business Park campus. So just wanted to put that in perspective. Happy to run the numbers as well for the Corby battery project uh, so that you can see what the actual economic impact will be. I'm not sure how we'd come to any numbers on that project without any real data and real analysis. Um, Our biggest company coming into the industrial park has the impact of $890 million annually for our economy. So um, I think it's important that we're able to look at the whole picture, understand what we really have to gain by protecting our employment lands.
10: In in brief conclusion, um a battery storage facility on this particular site is not the highest or best land use. Uh, the proposed zoning language is not adequate. It could be refined you know through a collaborative process should the council wish to entertain this um, and approve the merit hearing. Um, but as proposed, it doesn't, this project's not bringing forward a specific plan, it doesn't comply with the general plan, and it would not further the city's economic development goals again on this site. And that takes us to staff's recommendation to deny the request to initiate the zoning ordinance amendment. And we're happy, of course, to answer any questions. Th- thank you very much,
0: and, and I appreciate your passion. I do, I do, and I understand it. And if I had companies that were buying or bought out there, and I was like, no, I'd rather have a battery storage place. I'd be an idiot. But again, to sit here and watch that vacant spot, if they would have came here 10 years ago and said, hey, we want to be here for 10 years, we're going to give you a few million dollars a year, we would have been fools 10 years ago not to take it. When I got on this council in 2008, I don't know if anybody was here. CPV, I believe it was called came to us and said, hey, we want to put this nuclear, oh, you might be able to help me out, Tim. We want to put this uh, nuclear energy thing out in uh, easterly. And we we're like, okay, everybody hated it, no neighbors wanted it. We said, sure, you pay us a million dollars every year until you build it, and then we'll get the rewards. We sat on that, I don't know, how many, how many years did we sit on that? Eight years, anybody know from the city? We just collected millions of dollars year after year after year, and then they went away. I feel like this battery storage place, honestly, could be multi-million dollars while we're sitting on vacant land, and it, I don't wanna disrupt the biotech, I don't. And if, if it comes up and something happens and someone wants to go buy the property, or we know for sure, then I totally understand this whole body sitting up here saying no to the battery storage. But, again, I don't have that glass ball to say, oh, yeah, no, someone's coming or someone's not coming. And I, and I understand. I've sat up here many times and praised you for everything you're doing. And I'm not trying to derail it, but it, it would not be in the best interest of me sitting up here trying to bring money to the city of Vacaville and watch that land sit vacant for the next so many years if we could do some
2: deal while we're waiting. that's That's what I'm looking at. With that, I'm going to open up public comment. So we d- we do have copies of I'm the, starting so. Of the PowerPoint,
17: especially <coughs> for this gentleman with the hat, we can make sure they get it. And I'm not sure, who do we give direction to about advancing the slide? Next slide. Thank you, okay. All right, thank you so much. I believe we have 10 minutes, we'll do our best. My name's Dana Dean. As I mentioned, I'm here tonight on behalf of Corby Battery Storage and NextEra Energy. Um, Briefly, we wanna give you an overview of why we need battery storage, and I like to use the example of the PG&E commercial where they talk about, they show that horrible pile of laundry and say, please don't do laundry between four and nine, right, we wanna power down between four and nine, and that's because that's when the sun goes down and the wind slows, and we don't have the amount of energy available. Well, guess what, battery storage helps with that. And what we do with batteries is we fill them up during the day, And when the other sources are eliminated, battery storage is used to avoid brownouts and the horrible not being able to do your laundry and other things during the most used energy times. And that's when folks are coming home from uh, work. So battery storage is incredibly important in our state, so much so that the governor, you heard about the new legislation that went through, they are making it a priority to get battery storage. And you folks have, really a beautiful location for that because the PG&E substation is here. And that is one of the most significant parts of the electrical um, infrastructure for our state. So um, the main point is to increase reliability. And uh, let's see, what else do I wanna tell you? Our particular project, um, allows for, uh, in rough numbers, $24 million annually, oh, excuse me, not annually, over the life of the loan for property taxes for this, excuse me, life of the lease for property taxes for the city and Vacaville Unified School District. Um, and as I sort of mentioned earlier, you avoid holding these property owners hostage for another three to 10 years. And they, they who came up with this lease 14, 18 months ago would be able to move forward with a steady, very reliable stream of income. So those are some basic benefits. Um, I think I'm gonna turn it over to my colleague here to discuss some more detail about, um, no, actually I'll mention the projects, I'm sorry. Somehow mine are different. Can we advance to the next? Okay, here's where we are. Staff's pictures are a little different than the ones you're gonna see from us but um, we're proposing to take about 24 acres, 16 of which would involve the batteries themselves and about eight, which would be for landscaping and um, shading of the area. So you can see where it is. It's precisely where indicated. And um, the next slide shows you a little bit more about where we are. You can see that's a, it's a part of a 40 acre parcel, but it's much smaller. It is not adjacent to the freeway. It is not adjacent to Midway Road. Um, There are a few residences and we've worked very hard to reach out to them. We've had a community meeting, which I know, I believe you all know about. um, And we're very happy to engage with them as well as city staff. I do wanna touch base on this notion of the specific plan and the text, the zoning map text amendment, which is what I believe we heard we were gonna be able to participate in, that we had produced a text amendment to the zoning ordinance because it seemed like that was the best vehicle for moving this forward and helping staff to work through this. And yes, there were pieces to it that could be worked through as uh, the community development. Director mentioned, we can do that with the other vehicle. I feel very comfortable with either one, so long as it moves at an efficient clip. And to be clear, not the specific plan's gonna take many years, the zoning map amendment could be done very efficiently and we'd be very happy to work with staff to use that as our vehicle. I'm gonna turn it over to
18: Stephen.
13: So, um, like Dana mentioned, this slide basically shows you why we picked this location. Um, it is basically away from a high-density residential area, and also it's um, directly adjacent to uh, pg and uh, Backabil Substation. So, uh, next slide, please. That's important because, um, in order for battery storage projects to be effective, it needs to be uh, located close to substations. Based on our research, the pg um, and substation is the only high voltage transmission substation within 50 mile radius. So that's why we purposely picked this location and this will help um, improve the grid reliability for the region. And before uh, I move on to next slide, I'd like to make a quick uh, correcting comment. Um, so we do have plan to augment our batteries over time. So our property value will not go down. And um, that $24 million Dana mentioned is for the life of the project. So I just wanna make that comment. Um, Next slide, please. So um, I'd like to also highlight um, our state-of-the-art fire safety program. So as a company, we take fire safety very seriously. So we make sure our battery uh, storage projects are engineered to meet the highest standards of safety. And also fire protection to minimize risk. We do this by um, <clears throat> owning up, owning and operating our own assets over time, which allowed us to collect um, data, which we continuously use to improve our um, design. We also have um, system to monitor batteries from the on and then also twenty four hour control center in our headquarters, so we can shut it off from. Um, our headquarter as well. And we also make sure that we go on um, rigorous industry testing for uh, fire safety procedures. And we also try to equip all our battery containers with cooling systems. So all our batteries are operating at um, ideal temperature range. And um, we are also looking forward to uh, working with the first responders and fire officials if our project do move forward to um, I guess design the facility that meet or exceed fire standards and be able to design um, appropriate emergency plan for the first responders. Uh, With that, I will hand over to Deandra Cass.
21: Hello, thank you for your time. Uh, My name is Deandra Cass. I'm with Air Energy. I'm the environmental lead for this project. Go to the next slide. Um, So I, I think you already know that this is currently zoned Ag and has a general plan land use designation of Technology Park. Um, So battery storage is a a new technology. None of the existing planning documents have ever specifically called out battery storage. Um, That's not just in Vacaville, that's all over California and the nation because this is just a new technology. Um, But battery storage is a utility-like infrastructure. And so we believe it can be really compatible under the existing zoning and under the existing land use designation. Um, However, based off of conversations, Uh, with the city so far, we put forth the application for a zoning text amendment about uh, nine months ago, we submitted the application. Um, But uh, we're definitely open to other alternative permitting pathways, such as uh, the agenda item right before this to come up with interim regulations via the uh, zoning code map amendment. Um, And we definitely believe that battery storage can help enhance this and not hinder development of the Northeast growth area. Uh, Next slide. Um, As part of our coordination with the city and other nearby landowners, one of the things that we've heard is a concern is the uh, impacts to visual resources and changing the character. Um, So regardless of the the future plans of a technology park, one of the things that we were considering is how we can uh, keep the visual character during this interim use. Um, So we created these visual sims um, to demonstrate what the project would look like after it's been developed. Uh, The top row shows the existing views. We have uh, I-80 is the first one off of I-80 and the the following two photos are off of Meridian Road, north and south of the project. Um, The second row is the simulated views of what it would look like. Um, in the very first photo, you can see there's a, you can see the project as a sliver of light color. Um, we specifically are hoping by placing this away from um, I-80, it's not gonna you know, impact the views coming into the city. Um, and that's really the only place you would be able to see this. Um, we can definitely incorporate visual mitigation measures or mitigation measures for any other resource um, so that battery storage can seamlessly fit into the current and future land uses
22: you have
17: 40 seconds. All right, so I'll wrap with just a couple of other economic points. We are estimating a $330 million investment in order to bring this to fruition, and that's here. Um, It is correct that we're looking at about 200 construction jobs, and from my my perspective, those most certainly have ripple effect in the community and should not be disregarded. But mostly I would say I was so happy to see the zone code map amendment come as a vehicle that we can use. We did not, we do not want to present something in whole cloth just for the sake of doing it. We wanna work with staff to form something that's gonna work. So I see my time is up, happy to answer, we're happy to answer questions as they
0: come up. We'll
19: call you up as, as questions come up
0: the comments open if anyone wants to comment. Come
12: on up. Meeting council, staff, and mayor. Again, my name is Kyle Swarns. I'm here tonight on behalf of my brothers, brothers and sister carpenters, representing roughly 2000 Carpenter members in this region with a handful of them in the audience that's right behind me tonight. And many more who are at home, who are preparing for work tomorrow or they have to travel one, the two, the even three hours just to get the work. I'm speaking in favor of Nexera Energy and their Kobe Energy Project. While staff believes the only benefit would be the construction jobs and maybe some tax revenue, I believe it's important to realize there are over 1,500 apprentices in all the crafts that are part of the labor uh, joint labor management here in Solano County. Construction workers represent a large base of the workforce in this region. While a majority of the projects in the city are built with a workforce that has low wages, little to no benefits, Nextura has made a commitment to make sure workers on their projects will have livable wages. Healthcare, not just for the worker, but for their families. They, are, they have also made a commitment to grow our industry by making sure workers on this project will be part of a joint labor management apprenticeship program. So let's not forget how important these types of projects are to us. Also how important it is to our kids and to their kids. We need to start taking steps in correcting what we have done for decades to our environment. As a city, let's move forward, taking the pro, uh, proper steps and improve Next Center Energies and the Corby Energy Project to move forward. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Next speaker.
3: Oh, you're fine. You're (laughs) fine. Thank you. Um, As I mentioned previously, I'm Gary Tierra. I'm uh, my partner, and I own um, the property that's being spoken of. Um, I would just like to say, um, you know, with uh, it was mentioned there are 600 acres that are in the incorporated city uh, that are in this technology park planning and. My partner and I own 360 acres of that 600 acres. We ended up with this property um, around 2010 after the housing crash of 2007, eight, whenever it was. We ended up with this property because there was a, a hedge fund out of Chicago that had financed this project because it was all gonna be houses in California was gonna all be houses. Um, we have been farming it since then. And I, I can tell you of the 360 acres we own, specific to this 40 acres. In the 12 years that we've owned this property and farmed this property, we have never had a single phone call from anybody who's expressed any interest in this property until Corby, the next era. So um, I, I would love nothing more than all of it to go to Technology Park, because I'm tired of farming prunes in the Bay Area. But um, it's, you know, when it happens, that's great. But until then, um, everything that you've heard from everybody this project adds value all across you know with the landowner and everybody else and again I'll say I think it's a great marketing tool for people who want technology park because now you've got constant supply of power. Thank you very much.
2: Next speaker good
23: evening mayor vice mayor And council members, Uh, my name is Rebecca Salinas and I live at 7273 North Meridian Road. Um, These pictures are a little deceiving because they don't show how close the facility is to our home. Um, And we have concerns about fire hazards um, and then also during construction use of the road. Because it's not the best road, it's not the worst road, but there's obviously going to be impact to the road. As far as the fire hazard, when the lines going across the road, we're concerned about obviously our animals, having to evacuate. If you look at um, other battery storage facilities, there have been multiple fires. Um, Dangerous to firefighters because of the materials that are being used. Um, And then also the cost for the city to combat those fires for the materials that they'll need. there's been evacuations to residents because of these fires, as well as um, toxic fumes. And um, we have a lot of concerns, also increase in fire insurance and costs that would snowball because of this. Um, <laughs> it, it's just extremely concerning being a resident there. Um, also, driving down that road, one of the reasons we bought that property is because it was the best combination of living in the count in the country is also ten minutes away from city. Um so then we don't oppose the technology park at all. Um, we just hope that the council would take into consideration um, preserving part of the agricultural aspect of that environment. and looking at the pictures of these storage battery facilities, it's really ugly. It's it's not pretty to drive by multiple times a day. Um, and then also I wanted to bring to your attention the initial notification that we received was only mailed to 35 people in that area. And so it was the first four houses on each immediate area. Um, so all of the residents on Winding Way were not notified. Um, so I would really like the council to consider the fact that there's a lot of residents out there that were not notified.
0: We will absolutely.
23: We'll, yeah.
2: We'll absolutely keep that in mind if this moves forward. Okay. Um, thank you. For
1: thank
24: your you. Time. Next speaker. Good evening, mayor, city council members. Uh, my name is Chris Palomo, and uh, I've lived here in Vacaville for uh, roughly 18 years. I uh, have family that has resided here for over 30 years. Um, I'm a carpenter by trade, um, so is my dad. Uh, I've been a carpenter for about 10 years now, and my dad for 25. And in all those years, I've never had the opportunity to even work in the city of Vacaville or even close. All, my, all this career, I've had to uh, you know, drive to the Bay Area, sitting in three to four hours of traffic, sometimes five on a Friday coming from San Francisco. I don't know if any of you have sat in traffic coming from the city. It sucks, man. And doing that, you know, repeatedly, it's it's not fun. That's taking away time from you know me spending time with my family, loved ones, and all that. When this type of project here, that gives me more time to spend with them. You know, it's also it's uh, creating a less carbon footprint. You know what I mean? Less greenhouse gases from travel, um, saving gas money too. You know, gas prices are ridiculous right now. So it's more money in our pockets. More money I'm going to be able to spend here, and you know, reinvest back into the community. So I urge you guys, you know, to. Think about it, um, you know, help pass this project, because uh, I think it's gonna bring great revenue back to the city of Vacaville. And uh, I'm sure, you know, my fellow brothers and sisters that are, that are back there, they can agree with me. It's, a, it's gonna provide a lot of work. Um, actually, the, I didn't even know the general contract was gonna be Kiwit, but uh, I worked for Kiwit for three years and I was traveling to Richmond. And uh, my, my quality of life is better because of it. I was an apprentice when I started there. And so, yeah,
25: thank you for that. Thank me to you very much. In. Next speaker, please. Good evening, Sean Bird, Vacaville resident. Um, I don't have a position on this. However, any energy project the city of Ackerville take under consideration. I hope that you will exceed <coughs> present requirements to harden it. In 2006, a lone rifleman nearly nearly took out the San Jose high voltage transmission station. And it took about three years to acknowledge that it was a terrorist event. So these there's a national discussion right now that federal government requirements are inadequate. You know that we have a, fellow in a car that sits outside of PG&E, that's not gonna take care of it. Additionally, I know I don't get kind of wacko on you here, but the uh, mm-hmm. solar energy and, and solar storms or an EMP, none of these facilities are hardened and they, uh, they react. If you lose one facility, it's a domino. California had the rifleman succeeded. He only damaged the San Jose substation. How do you choose to get succeeded? and damaging one of the major transformers, the entire state of California would have gone black. So please direct staff to uh, exceed those requirements. That's my only comment.
0: Okay, thank you. thank you very much. I'm gonna close public comment. I'm gonna give, uh, did you want just one more minute to rebut some of the things? Well, could 1st speak Sure. First, um,
17: first, I'll say we are fully committed to working with staff um, uh, in terms of the conditions of approval of any project that comes forward. Um, to include much of the, the items that were discussed by the commenters, including security hardening. I think that's what I heard the gentleman say. We certainly understand that. And we'd be looking for that in any case, because of course we want our project to succeed and be safe. Um, in terms of preserving ag and that battery storage is ugly. Um, I almost, I'm hurt by that, but I'm not gonna disagree, but we are planning very carefully to have the landscaping. If you could put our pictures back up, you'd see the landscaping is going to really mask all of that. So from the, the, from North Meridian, which is the only site that you could, road you could really see this from, it's going to be very minimal, and if that's not sufficient, we will make it sufficient as a condition of approval. That's that's all well and good. We're happy to make sure that the project is the best one it can be for this community. Um,
0: Just for the record, these are horrible pictures. I would have loved to see something better mean? than that.
17: Well, they're bigger over here. We have them bigger. Oh, okay, well then I'll walk I, I think back the there point, later. the the true point, is that it's really not that noticeable. Right, Right. Um, and we can, and so if you want to improve the site and improve the landscaping, we certainly would uh, like to work with staff to come up with conditions that would do that. Okay, thank you very much.
0: Thank you. I'm going to bring it back to the council. I'm going to ask a real quick question, though. So today, if we happen to move forward, if this body wants to move forward, all we're saying is we're going to move forward and let them start the process for them to come back and give us a pitch. And it's gonna include a development agreement, it's gonna include all kinds of stuff, and then we will decide whether we want to move forward with them or not. It's just giving them the opportunity to come back, correct, am I?
10: Uh, For this specific site. Yes, if the council wishes to give the applicant the opportunity. If we voted no,
0: gone, and we're already started the specific plan, and we're all good. Okay, Councilmember Silva. Uh,
4: thank you, and uh, thanks everyone for presenting and speaking. Um, so, uh, real quick, one of the things that kind of came up was two million dollars in property tax. Is that how much? Back have uh, is that something that the city's been able to verify? Or sorry, is that correct? Um,
11: so I, I cannot <clears throat> verify the property tax. Um, working with uh, with um, Dana, we were trying to get some data points so we could actually run an economic impact analysis, uh, but we weren't able to, uh, to make that happen today. So I- You would bring that back when you came to- budget. Right. So I, I would think it's important for us to be able to do that economic impact analysis of, I understand that you all may have been told two million in property tax, but now in this presentation, it says 24 million. So I, I can't verify any that. of that information, so. Sure, go ahead.
17: I, I came to the mic because I didn't think everyone would be able to hear me. Um, first is two million annually is a, a number that we've been looking at. Yes, that's correct. Um, and then we would, I, I would normally have expected to have this conversation as the land use application process goes forward. So it's, we've had a very truncated opportunity, like five days to work on this. So as it goes forward, we certainly bring all that information forward in a meaningful way. Um, uh, the 330 million is our, our current estimate estimation of our costs for this project, so you can run numbers on that. We do fully expect, I mean, inflation, we know it, right? And as the project moves forward, we could expect that number to grow. Um, I belong to this community, I represent this community. I am not gonna tell you something that's not true. Okay. Thank you.
4: Thank you. So, um, thank you, Dana. You know, I'm, I'm not. Tr- I'm really trying not to get too sidetracked off of this. Uh, what what we're asking is whether or not this project has merit. Um, but it seems, you know, it's pretty apparent that we are. Um, so, uh, so with that, I'm just, I'm going to go through my list of questions. Um, you know, so whether or not this battery storage facility goes at this site or another site, those construction jobs would still be there, uh, assuming it's the same scale. Is that correct? maybe even more, um, particularly lay the line for the conduit to reach whatever other destination that's possible. Is that, is that correct? So if they wouldn't be constructing here, they'd be constructing somewhere else. I mean, it's,
17: it's hard to know that precisely. So I, would say, or, or would or I would say, it? especially in terms of the timing of it, if we're looking at a different location, we, we have no data on that right now. Um, and frankly, if you have to run a tie too far, it, it destroys the project, it won't happen. So it's a hard, it's, you're asking very hard question, Council Member Silva. But the to the extent, I can't, I yeah, can't say so, for sure.
4: So it um, was mentioned that it was had to be close. So what would be the distance? What is close?
17: Currently, it's a half a mile away
4: to what to I mean so the way my understanding how electricity works the further it goes the more we lose electricity so at some point just like developers work in more units to compensate for uh, anything that's subsidized uh, I'm not quite understanding why that couldn't be worked into pursuing another site as far as accommodating more battery storage to to acquire more revenue to meet the loss of uh, cost that's lost in energy that's transferred
13: yeah, so, so I think that's a physics. valid question, but um, I mean, we do explore a couple other options within um, Vacaville, I mean, uh, Dixon substation. Um, like we, we just weren't able to um, identify like willing landowner who's like willing to work with us. So that's like part of the equation. And I mean, it's kind of hard to like <clears throat> put the like exact distance, but um, you're right. As um, we move away from the substation, we're gonna lose more um, electricity due to like line losses. Um, those are the things that we considered, so. Mm.
4: All right, and so, and uh, can you please clarify how many jobs will be there at the, uh, to maintain the battery storage site once it's constructed? So yeah, so
13: once it's uh, fully operational, we anticipate um, up to three uh, full-time workers.
4: Okay, and so for me, I mean, that's like, I mean, that's the whole point of why we as a council are pursuing biotech industry, because for every one job industry hires, there's eight additional livable wage paying jobs that come along with that. And if we can find another, if city can please find, work with these folks um, to find another site, then to me, that's where we find the win-win, where folks can still get the construction jobs. We can still get better paying jobs long-term that in the industry, um, that's dedicated towards addressing any type of DEI component. 50% of the workforce is women. Uh, there's po- people through our programs, through the local training programs that allow folks to get the training to enter this field. So uh, I'm not, um, for me, I don't see the merit. Um, the question was about um, ag, uh, I, if, if my understanding is correct, if if the zoning change from ag to biotech, would the, would the property value increase as well? Absolutely. How, about how much?
11: Um, well, I can use what we just recently went through in the Valley Business Park, where that land sold for as little as $9 a square foot. Now, because of the biotech uses, we're looking at $15 uh, a square foot. Mm-hmm.
4: Okay. Um, sorry, there. Okay. <laughs> Thank you.
17: Um, so uh, just a couple of things and it was touched on, but I do wanna be clear, we absolutely support the community college and all of their efforts and um, envision a really strong apprenticeship program, especially around electrical work and battery storage installation, which then tra- translate into translates into jobs for the future for those folks at the college and otherwise, uh, in particular in the area of battery installation in residential settings. So this also has um, a pretty strong apprenticeship program. I've Mm -hmm. I've spoken briefly with the fire chief. We absolutely want to get in on the program that this council approved for $890,000. We would want to participate in that, perhaps um, contribute to it in order to bring, we'd we'd have a real moment there for fire training as well. Mm -hmm. So, we think there's value in that. And then finally, we're not precluding this, this entire area from moving forward. For every person who s- speaks to staff and says, we think battery storage is inconsistent. We have people, the property owner themselves, will tell you people, other folks believe it is consistent for the very reasons that some of you have stated, which is it makes the area more reliable. And whether we could ultimately end up in contract with these other folks or not, that's that's pretty speculative. But we we feel like this would be really supportive, and so, we want to be supportive of the community, 100%. Whether it's a development agreement, community benefits yeah, program, and I, and I firmly other.
4: believe that, and, uh, and that's been consistent. So I guess my last question, my last question, and then my point, um, uh, but last clarifying question is whether or not the power that's stored at this facility would that be directly. Would, would that always be coming back to Vacaville first? Would Vacaville always have priority access to that? Would those biotech companies have priority access to that energy? So
17: I would say not at the start, but that doesn't mean that it would, well, first of all, it's gonna be 10 years before the specific plan, five, minimally five years before the specific plan is done such that you would have the technology folks coming in. That's not the, the customer right now is PG&E, right? They, they would get the,
13: the wholesale, the grid, if you then, will,
17: and then it comes back. Okay. That doesn't mean that ultimately something couldn't occur. Yeah. Steven can speak to that.
13: Yeah, another thing I'd like to uh, mention on that point is the fact that uh, that's out of our control, but basically we provide um, flexibility for California um, independent system operator, CAISO to um, operate the grid how they like, but our project brings flexibility. It will prevent them from you know, like shutting down due to like rolling blackouts or unexpected blackouts. We're just there to like help them. Mm -hmm. And like Dana mentioned, um, PG&E, like ultimately uh, buys power from us, but we don't have control over how the electricity gets Mm -hmm. distributed, but it'll definitely help the city of Aqabu and also the region as a whole.
4: Yeah, so I mean, uh, and thank you for explaining that. So there's, to me, there is absolute value for our state uh, and for our region for battery storage. Uh, there's absolute value in that, um, you know, where it goes, uh, you know, council, you know, you guys are obviously looking at one uh, particular spot. For me, this particular site, I mentioned in the reasons before, um, to me, there's no merit in allowing this particular project here, but I'm absolutely, absolutely in support of looking and, um, and uh, pursuing any other particular site with, that's within the city um, to, uh, to meet the needs um, for all the folks uh, that are involved. Vice Mayor Roberts.
26: Yeah, uh, Council Member Silver already touched on all that stuff. I mean, a lot of you guys now I already spoke to you that I'm the green energy technology pusher here on the council. Um, and we keep talking about like interim usage. What's what's the amount of time you guys need to make this really pencil out if we are talking about interim use or
17: I'm not sure I can answer based on the verb that you used, oh, but yeah. we're planning for, for 10. temporary use. Yeah, we're planning for 20 plus 10. That's our plan. Um, so. Things plans can be adjusted. Yeah, uh, so. It's certainly not a three-year or a five-year plan. Yeah. Right. So m- yeah. maybe.
26: Yeah. So if you're talking about 20 plus 10, so 30 years.
17: Yeah, 30. Uh, 30 is the maximum, I believe, that yeah,
26: in terms of the specific life of the plan Ten years at the longest. Like I mean, we're I hate to about. say
17: ten, but unfortunately, especially with COVID and everything, that's yeah. that's the direction. So we if we're only like getting ten own. years at
26: the longest, like that's twenty years more that we can put biotech companies in that spot potentially.
17: Yeah. I, again, this is a merit hearing. Mm-hmm. All yeah. we're asking is for the opportunity to work with staff mm-hmm. to develop whatever application works, whether it's part of the zoning map text amendment, Uh, I think there would be a use, well, I don't know if a use permit would ultimately be involved, but whatever that process is, it would also involve, and we've already committed to what we're calling, my people are calling a development agreement, that hurts me because it's a term of art, but community benefits package, and maybe it involved the sunset clause. We can't negotiate that here tonight. That is part of a long-term committed relationship of these two folks mm-hmm. here yeah. that we work through. So I, I'm not going to say to you tonight that it must be 30 years. I'm no, not no, gonna I was just say getting like
26: about how long it takes for you. Get, yes. what's What's minimum amount of time you guys would be there for it to make to actually work for you guys? Yeah. Um,
17: I think I think 10 is a good yeah. number, but it's not. Set, you know, yeah. again, that's something that would be negotiated. And let's say 20 years from now, somebody comes along. Cool. We'll, let's make sure that we've considered that as the process moves mm-hmm. forward.
26: Unless
17: my client is looking <laughs> like that's not correct. We, we have a 20 plus 10 right now. Okay,
26: and then uh, I know Council Member asks, we know that this project's about a half mile of transmission line mm-hmm. to get there. What's the maximum distance that you guys can go and still be useful? So if we did come up alternate sites, what is the maximum distance you can go from that uh, substation?
13: So um, we didn't really look into that for this specific project, but um, I mean, as a part of a uh, permitting process, I mean, we'd love to do our full, full due diligence and then maybe um, have that conversation down the road.
26: Because yeah, I know there's not a lot of other projects to compare this to around the country to know what the maximum distance is. You can have I thought, electrical engineer, to go through and say <laughs> how far you the transmission line can be and so effectively use your batteries.
13: Yeah and, there's, yeah, and that's something that um, I can work with our internal team to um, just look into and then I'll yeah, bring, um, I guess, revert back to you guys. I would assume there's a tipping point where you can lose <laughs> profit.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know, you could go 100 miles, but then it wouldn't be worth it. Yeah.
21: Yeah, if, if I could add on to what he said. Um, yeah, we, we did not come up with the exact number. It's different for every single site. Not only is there electricity losses um, along the way when you're operating it, but the cost of the uh, constructing the Gentai is also pretty significant. Um, so we did look at alternate sites. We looked at, uh, I think, two other sites within the city. We also looked at sites in the county that are all surrounding the substation. This one already This one made the most sense. We have landowner approval. There aren't any conflicting <laughs> Um, there isn't conflicting infrastructure that we need to work through. Um, there's, we have a pretty direct route for the Gentai. And so it just, it, of, of all of the sites that we've looked at, um, this, this is the best one. Um, we can uh, definitely provide you with more information though of uh, our process to come up with this site though.
26: Anything else, Mayor? Uh, I, I know Don doesn't know that timeline, but yeah, with the specific plan, I know we're looking at between five, 10 years, maybe. What, what are you looking, seeing as potential timeline, to get the specific plan going to actually get these North, uh, yeah, Northeast development moving?
10: Um, I would say a comparator that this city has is the downtown specific plan, which took longer than we all anticipated due to COVID. It literally happened during COVID. That was a three year process. Um, 10 years seems like that would be an extraordinarily um, ineffective uh, specific plan process, which is not what we wanna bring to you as our action plan, which is part of what you handled earlier this evening. But three to five years, if things go terribly, five years, but more realistically, three years is a reasonable time period to complete the studies and the specific plan.
0: I I appreciate the honesty, because we don't know what happens. Things can blow up in the next couple of years. So I, I do appreciate that. Do okay. you, you want to add
11: something, first? I, I did. I just wanted to add that um, to piggyback on this, Morris. That yes, it took us three years to finish the specific plan, and that we're actually already implementing the items from the specific plan. So I'm not so sure about the characterization of 10 years. and my personal experience, Miss Morris, please share yours. I've not worked for a jurisdiction that took us 10 years to complete a specific plan. Understood.
0: Vice Mayor, did you have anything else?
26: Yeah, no, that's it. Thank you.
0: Okay, um, my next person is Councilmember Stockton.
20: Yes, thank you. Thank you for the presentation. Thanks for um, the community input. So, this is this is District One. This is a location that is near county homes. That is not far from the development that I live in. Um, I've mentioned, I think at one other council meeting that I happen to be on a hazmat team where I had some concerns regarding what, um, when this stuff burns, what it does. And I have seen, you know, the evacuation of a community in Fairfield with only 400 pounds of some of these batteries. And I know there's gonna be a lot more than those here. I do appreciate, uh, I met with Dana Dean and her team. Um, I think that they are um, doing things to mitigate some of those risks and I appreciate that. Um, however, um, I wanted to hear your pitch and I've heard your pitch. And I do think that battery storage is something that we need to think about and that we need to put here in Vacaville. My concern is the location. My con- I, I can understand economically business savvy wise why you wanna be so as close as possible to that um, power station because it makes the most economic sense to go the shortest distance to connect to it. But I struggle with the fact that outside of all these gentlemen that are gonna, um, and, and ladies, I'm assuming yeah, there's a lady back there that's gonna help build this facility, one of these beautiful facilities, um, there's only three long-term jobs. And, and, and for that, I just think that the juice isn't worth the squeeze because we're gonna have great people like this build whatever, whatever facility um, like this, wherever we put it in a location that is not on the 80 corridor, that's not not next to established homes that's not going to provide safety concerns when these things catch on catch on fire. If they catch on fire, if there's some sort of domestic terrorist type act, um, you know, like we heard about earlier with um, one guy with a gun that uh, I believe shot at one of the uh, the power station a while back and created some havoc for law enforcement. So, you know, I trust I, I I trust that everybody is trying to do what is best, and I think that these are issues that we need to find a place to put something like this. We absolutely do. Um, but I, I think that this location slapping this right in the middle of this beautiful um, corner that's on the 80 corridor, that's right there off of uh, Midway and Meridian. I mean, where I, I believe, can can you tell me the, the biotech manufacturing center, that's already spoken for in full, correct? So I mean, there are other companies that are looking at this, at locations like this on the 80 corridor.
11: There are, we, uh, we have, um if all goes well within the next few weeks, there will only be 30 acres left uh, that's available to develop um, in our Vacaville business park.
20: So is this a location that other biotech companies are at least considering or looking at to be oh, next absolutely.
11: To um, as I stated in, our, in the previous um, um, conversation that we've already been in contact with at least three developers who are interested actually in developing the technology park. And it's our objective to really be able to develop a cutting edge and state-of-the-art technology park. Um, The industry's told us what they needed. Um, The realtors and developers have told us (laughs) what's needed. And um, we're just trying to actually create the best possible technology park for our city. Some of the things you mentioned, uh, Council Member, as far as access to Midway Road in 80 is exactly why the development community is interested in the site because of the location that's attractive to businesses.
0: Okay, Councilmember Ritchie. Um, I just want to ask the environmental
21: lead for this project. Um, where I really start to shine is when this project can go into CEQA, the California Environmental Quality Act. Um, as we're just in the merit hearing, our application hasn't even been started yet. We are nowhere near beginning that. But if we can get this application started and we could start a SEQUID document, we can analyze all of the things that we've been des- discussing right now in detail. We can discuss impacts to traffic, to visual, and there's even an alternatives analysis that's included in the SEQUID document. So if we can get to that point, we can have a incredibly detailed conversation about all of this <laughs> and at that point, decide uh, if this project is approved.
20: Thank you. And can I address that?
0: you you can you're the council
21: member and i think that that's
20: great i know that you can do that i just think that for this location i don't want to wait i know how expensive it is to do those environmental impact reports and and to pay for all that i don't want to waste your time if i don't think this is the right location for you to spend the money to do that now when we do build something like this in backfield i hope that we're fortunate to work with a company that is like yours, that really dotted, uh, answered a lot of my questions and it alleviated a lot of my concerns. My, my um, concerns regarding this project have nothing to do with your ability to build a quality facility at all. Uh, if anything, Ms. Dana Dean and her team have alleviated those concerns. It's this location and, and what we're giving up by, by putting this here for 20 to 30 years. So.
19: All right, Councilmember Ritchie. Thank you so much for our comments from uh, <coughs> uh voice a little better. Silva and everyone else, Roberts and Roy, help, help me talk less at this point. Um, you know, we're obviously just gonna come back, but I, I want to come to this, it's like the third time we've kind of been here and you know, whoever, which would be three years, the best in finances, uh, I think it's time to talk. Um, you use numbers. So now you have faculty by school district and you have the city. So the way it flows is not the way you're, you're describing. So at $2 million, the city does not directly get $2 million. It starts at the county, and then it goes to the city, and what portion goes to the Vacuum invite. So like, don't come back and tell me that we're going to get $2 million. Tell me how much the county takes, uh, how much the city takes, tell me how much the Vacuum invite School District takes. Because then it's, it's, yeah, so we'll, we'll then tell them that. So now at, 30, at $330 million, you stated your ROI is 10 years. Well, you that. did, you did. You said it would take 10 years to break even. So that $330 million to construct the project. So that's profitable. Yeah, so
2: I,
17: 30, I did not say that. You did. That wasn't my intention.
19: So if the ROI can be done in 10 years, please come back with the cost to do a half mile, half mile line, a mile line, yeah. a 10 mile line. If it's as profitable as you think, if you're gonna spend $330 million to build a project and have a lifespan of 30 years, break the math down, it works. Like your ROI is huge. So what would you lose by taking from a half a mile to a mile to 10 miles? And,
17: and if I could respond to that, sure. Mr. Mayor. So that's exactly the analysis that occurs as the project application moves True. forward. Yeah. In particular, in the alternatives analysis, but there's there's usually, a very healthy economics analysis that attaches to the discussions and the reports that come forward. Actually, I think it goes to planning commission first and then ultimately would come to you. That's part of the normal process that we would be going through as we have the, the application move forward, perhaps with the zoning code text
19: amendment. So if you have the numbers for how much, say at $2 million, I thought it was 1.2, now it's 2 million but at $2 million a year for taxes, why don't you tell us how much the city of Vacaville gets and my School District gets, instead of, saying this overarching number, $2 million a year, because the city's not gonna get 2 million.
17: No, I think you're correct that it's 1.2. So it's
19: uh, 1.2. So if 1.2 so goes to the county, how much goes no, to no. the city? No, no, 2
17: million goes to the county. This is in very rough numbers, right? Yeah. Very rough. About so 2
19: million to the county, mm-hmm. what's your estimate to the city? 1.2. what portion goes to, out of 1.2 would go to Vacaville facilities? I
17: believe it's 800. And, that, and these are, I'm sort of pulling these out so of memory. One,
19: that's 800 off
17: 1.2? I believe so. so I, I, cities, I, and somewhere. I'm not a tax expert, sir. Well, I'm, I'm I am not, not. Either, but so I'm not I'm a
19: business I, expert. So, I mean, I'm not a tax you,
17: expert, yeah. and this is normally stuff that is detailed out in the regular process once we get past Vacaville's very special merit. Process, yeah. and I'm happy to bring all of that for you in more detail um, with supporting documentation that, that staff has suggested is necessary. That would be the normal process as we move yeah. the application forward. Absolutely. Yeah, so I
19: mean, I, I get it. I mean, I, I, I kind of, my voice is better now so I, can, I can talk a little more freely. Um, it's just, it's numbers, it's business math. You know, at 26 acres, 26 acres is what you guys want to use. I would. I think we should really advance this, but find opportunity to start looking at costs to go a mm-hmm. mile away, 10 miles away, five miles away. At the city's gonna get $400,000 a year. So
17: I, please don't, that's just at a estimate, rough number estimate, that I as their lawyer understand, understand let's, to let's be true. I'm not a tax
19: expert. Okay. For fun, let's 400,000. Our net is 400,000 on 20 acres. That's you could have 10 employees in a room and generate that much tax revenue. I mean, it's, I wanna make sure that we do the right thing. And I, I, this, I, I, this land at 26 acres in this business at the technology park, for what Silva was really hitting passionately on, the jobs that we can create in the same square footage, was 800, was 800 million for no. one place. 800 million ad, ad, sorry. Okay. Um, so. annual revenue.
17: I would appreciate an opportunity to respond to your comments here. So firstly, I'm not a tax expert. I'm trying to answer the question in the most general way that I understand. During the normal process that would follow this determination to allow us to move forward with the normal process, we would detail all of this out in extreme uh, methodologies to make sure that your questions are answered. And actually, the questions of everyone yeah. regarding this kind of thing. Uh, please don't hold us to the numbers that I just spoke to you well, off the cuff. I don't hold you, number but one, when you,
19: when you say I absorb it and, yes. and have to re- kind of okay. reiterate.
17: So, but number one, for the purpose of the merit hearing, we believe the three hundred thirty million dollar number is correct and will probably go up. My very layperson calculation is what you've heard tonight. As we move the process forward, all of those details would be plain. Yeah. Moreover within the development agreement, which I believe staff has, has, I I assume staff's been involved in development agreements before or a community benefits package, whichever, or both, whichever that works out to be as the process moves forward, those those things would be considered. So the the tax revenue streams and and how that all works is normally negotiated and set out when we get to the approval for the project, not at this moment.
19: Okay. I, mean, I I think battery storage is is, is essential. It's a, it's a California mandate, we're going towards it, but my, my thing kind of piggybacks on syllabus. Um, let's say the cost was to $400 million. If you if you want a 20-year plus 10-year, 30-year lease, at some point you're going to have a break-even a break where you're going to pay for the cost of build and make profit. That's not going to be at the 30th year. You'll make profit probably at year 11. So I'll say, yeah, I know, but it's just business, right? So. It's, if, you come, if you're if you gonna make up $400 million worth of investment, you're going to break even at a certain point and be gainfully profitable. So just please come back with some real numbers, say, hey, we're gonna spend four, 400 million, it's called half a billion. At year 13 out of 30, we're good to go. I think you can take some bit of that profit and look at other locations and, and, be, and still we all win. It's built, amazing jobs in the community, construction jobs, we all can win. But I also make sure that we don't hold all the chips as one site. We need to make sure that we look at all sites. Therefore, it's a win-win for all of us. Apologize, my yeah. Okay, thank you,
0: uh, Councilmember Sullivan.
14: Thank you, Mayor. I appreciate it. Um, so, I, I don't have any questions. I'm just making statements. I'm just making that clear to the presenters. So. Um, can you pull up a city of Ackville map while I start speaking? Because I, I actually I'd like to see it on my screen. Not necessarily the project map, but a city of Ackville map if you've got one. We used to have a big one in here, but it's gone. So I, I think, you know, after listening to all of the speakers tonight, kind of where we went and kind of where, we. oh, this is perfect. Yeah, thank you. Um, where we're, I think there's a way to have an Oak Grove moment here. What I mean by Oak Grove is we started with a project that lots of people were dissatisfied with. And we ended up with a project that was pretty damn good. So I think we could probably get everyone to a place where they're comfortable. Maybe not the property owner right away, but we'll keep you guys in mind, and, and I I think you'll be happy later. So I, I'm not I'm not discounting your needs either. Um, so on on oh my screen just turned off for the map here real quick. One sec. So I guess where I want to start is. Um, We have staff that are experts in the field and and we trust you. We trust your judgment. You're strongly recommending we don't do this project. I've spoken with Dana and her team. It's a beautiful and amazing project and it makes tons of sense and we need it for the grid. It probably doesn't produce a ton of tax revenue. It produces a couple jobs. It's gonna be great for all the builders out there to build it. How do we kind of get everything that we need? And so we've been talking for a really long time and I'm gonna go off on a little bit of a tangent, but it all makes sense um, about Um, Zero net energy, right? That's one of the things we've been talking about. You guys have heard me talk about Purple Pipe a bajillion times, right? So on this map here, um, about two miles down Lewis Road, you can't actually see it. We have a water treatment plant with, how much available land do we have there? Do you guys know? Our water guy knows. If you had to guess, the Easterly site. Okay, I'll, 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 80, 80 plus acres, right? So it's, it's a water, it's a treatment plant, right? This is where we process the city sewage. We're not gonna build a biotech business or the next major business out next to the easterly treatment plant. We own the land, so we're a willing landowner that owns the property. Yes, it's about two miles from your existing site now, but what we also need for this project that you want to accomplish is we're gonna need utilities. So we're gonna need sewer, we're gonna need water. We're gonna need ideally purple pipe pumped to the north part of town and pumped over to North Village. I've been asking for a trench of, of purple pipe for years. I learned a new technical term today by your team, the, the Gentai. Why couldn't we partner, work on that property there and maybe even talk about your project and and have both projects in a spot that makes absolutely perfect sense because no one's gonna complain because it's a sewage plant and it doesn't impact any of our existing business. We run a trench down Lewis Road, we get our utilities run down the utility line for all these new bio businesses, which makes your property more profitable because you know have water and sewer and, and all the utilities that we need to sell that. And then we run purple pipe all over town, which makes me and Jason, Mr. Greeny's happy because we're running purple pipe and we're saving water. We're pumping hundreds of thousands of recycled gallons of water into landscaping all over town, because right now we don't have that anywhere, but in a little teeny spot around the sewage plant. Um, and then we work on a plan to, to actually add some solar panels. Maybe this community benefit program we're talking about with you guys, maybe you actually add a megawatt of power every year uh, in solar, maybe on top of the battery array or at, at the water treatment plant. So what we could do is offset the cost for the tire for you, put it in a location that makes sense. We own the land and the property. You're not gonna have any complaints about neighbors or other issues because that's it's the sewage plant. We keep intact your beautiful vision for this biopark. And at the end of the day, everyone's, everyone's sort of happy. Um, I have a, a billion other comments on here and I'm gonna kind of go through these really quickly. On the noticing comment from the couple in the, in the back, I'm really sorry, and, and j- the gentleman in the front, I, I think we typically go by like a geographic distance and I'm guessing where you guys live, it's so sparse and kind of spread out, we probably just missed it. So I think for staff, when we're doing noticing, especially in the rural areas, we really should factor in the density of the housing. And that's probably why so many of your neighbors missed tonight, so I apologize, but it's probably, probably an oversight on our part. Um, let's see here, I don't wanna miss anything. To, to you guys, I want you to have good local jobs and build it here too. So let's build a 40 acre or an 80 acre site instead of a 40 acre site. Let's build the trenching of the gentile. Let's get lots more jobs. And then you come back and build the technology park. So I mean, ideally we could expand this. We could double the jobs. We can make it all happen on city land and get more local construction jobs for you guys as well. Um, construction yard gentlemen in the back. I, I, cool, I don't mind. I mean, let's let's run your yard in the back. And if you don't mind, we run our utility lines through your yard on the way. I mean, maybe we can make a deal there. and. You know, in 10 or 15 years, when we have a big bio company coming in, you pack up shop and move out and we'll, you know, I, I think it actually makes sense. There's a way to make this all work. Um, the ag comment from the couple in the back, there is a, a park plan, I think in your existing park plan. I mean, I think it'd be great to incorporate the neighbors and actually have them the, the, the park feature. Maybe instead of having a big, ugly commercial building, we could actually have a park in your front yard or something that makes a little more sense. So I think we really ought to incorporate the neighbors into that part of the process for the park plan. Um, I have costs for the applicant, obviously we wanna keep costs down, but again, if we're we're sharing on the trenching of the utility line and we have free land out at Easterly, that reduces our cost and maybe we can get it close to pencil. Uh, The last piece here is like, we have dozens if not hundreds of projects in your hopper. I don't wanna waste your time. I don't wanna waste your time. I don't wanna waste your money. I don't wanna waste your money. Um, I, I don't like this location. It just doesn't make sense to me for a variety of reasons. I think there's a better location. There's a better option. We can kill multiple birds with one stone and frankly, we can get everyone a better deal. And you're gonna come tell me why that can't happen, but um, th- but I think all of this can happen in a reasonable fashion. I'm not a big fan of location. I think we could do better. And if we're gonna invest a ton of staff time in this, I wanna do it in a way that we get multiple wins and the biggest bang for us. And I think there's a much larger opportunity here to do that. So please, if you've got comments to that.
17: A couple comments. First, we, um, the company has worked for a long time to have all the various components. And I'm sure you understand there are state agencies involved and everything else. And um, there are timelines involved. So um, again, we believe we can look at alternatives through the permitting process. But if we do not move forward with the permitting process, I don't expect that's gonna happen. What you're describing is a v- huge undertaking because of the easements involved, the huge cost involved. Sure. And if the city wanted to participate with that, I don't think that uh, that the project you're describing uh-huh. necessarily excludes the project we're t- describing. I understand that you believe that that's a better location but again, that's something that's addressed, not at a, in, before a merit hearing, but through the process. And we'd be happy to talk about But I think the process ad-
14: is specific on the location. So I am not, in, is that correct or am I incorrect? If I don't want this location at all, is, is what Ms. Dean is saying, is that accurate or is that not accurate? It's
10: an alternative. Th- this item is about this location and the merits of this proposed land use at this location. In the earlier item the council discussed, Staff was given direction to look for battery storage as one of the uses in the Northeast Growth Area.
14: And maybe there's a better spot, I guess, in the Northeast Growth. But this area, for me, it, it, that's the problem. So I don't want to waste your time and money and have you go off and do all these studies for the mayor here and come back and we deny it. So I'm wondering if there's a way to save your time and money and save staff's time and money, and actually look at a different location. Maybe you come back and say it's completely unfeasible. We have to do this particular location. But I just, I don't think that's the case. And again, I think there's a much larger win here for all of us. I get that this project makes sense, it pencils the most, it's the cheapest, you've already got the project, you've done the research, you've done the homework, but it just has so many other side effects that I think impact all these other aspects that aren't factored into your project.
17: I appreciate your position. I do, maybe I I wasn't particularly clear, but this, in the 14 months that we've been in discussions and our our application, the nine months, our application has been held back, other aspects of this particular project have moved forward and we we really need to anchor in for the moment a process. Now, maybe ultimately it ends up someplace else, but if we walk away tonight without a process anchored in, I don't necessarily think that that's possible.
14: So I, in concept, I understand what you're saying and I'm okay with that. I mm-hmm. just don't know how that translates to what staffers say. But if the staff say we can do it that way, I mean, okay. again, I just think this location is problematic and yeah. the the site is about two miles away, the proposed site that I'm talking about. I we understand. own the land, the easements are right there on the county road. I mean, I, I, I get I'm being Pollyanna a tad, <laughs> um, but I mean, again, I think there's a way to get everyone what they want. And honestly, maybe even double the size of your project, you know, and I think we could do an industrial tie in there. We can get water and sewer to the property. I mean, it really could be a much larger, benefit for everybody. And I think at the end of the day, like I said, no one's gonna mind that we're putting a battery plant next to the, the sewage plant, they're just not. And so, but I understand what you're saying. I'm not a Fortune 500 CEO, but I, I know just based on the the Silly Moss Landing Fire, which was terrible, and I knew you explained this earlier, it just got a ton of bad press, and maybe it's not even a real fear, but it, it's unfortunately out. And I'm not even saying I believe in that, I'm just saying I do believe when my economic development manager says, yeah, it's gonna be hard to sell a big business with that there. And I'm not saying that's your fault. I'm not saying it's accurate. I'm not saying it's true. I'm saying I understand my economic development manager's perspective there. And if we're trying to land the next Genentech, the next biopark, I could see how it could be problematic. So I'd love to offer you a great alternative that could be better, could be bigger, and could be close to the same cost, if not the same cost.
17: As I can, we are not gonna be able to consider the offer if we're not able to move forward with a process because of the other um, pieces on the, in the puzzle. Sure. I, I
2: believe that to be thank true. You. Okay, I, um, I, I'm i gonna hold uh, Councilmember Member Wiley.
16: Uh, thank you very much for the information. And I just want to see if my understanding is correct of where we are and bring us back to tonight's item is a merit hearing. And the only thing we're voting on is whether or not it will be going forward for discussion. And part of that discussion will be back and forth about the cost and where it could be. And although the discussion says for this location, part of that discussion could be, are other locations acceptable or let's look at the pluses and minuses of these other locations, if you say it doesn't work here and they may say, well, if it doesn't work there after our looking at, it, we are not gonna go forward with it. Or they might say, if it doesn't work there, we'll look at your other plans and then they may go forward with it, but it sh- will come back to the council if the applicant decides to come forward and then we would have a, either that's that, that location that we would vote on or an alternate location or no location. But tonight is the specific hearing for this. And as long as we're talking about timelines, it's very untimely that it is tonight that we weren't bringing just the will they bring it back, you know, nine months ago rather than now because all these other pieces have fallen into place. And, you know, you mentioned about the specific plan for the downtown and I've only been on since 2020 as almost everyone has except for two, you know, we're kind of coming into the game when a whole lot of other things have been happening. And yes, we approve the downtown specific plan. It's going to take a long time for everything in that downtown specific plan to be in place. Just like when this specific plan is finished is not, whether it's three years or five years or 10 years, that is not where we're going to see those biotech things on the interstate, you know, producing these jobs for people. That's when the specific plan is beginning. So then people will decide, do we want to come to Vacaville or not? So I just wanna bring it back. Is that where we are? An, An accurate assessment of here's where we are, what we're voting on tonight. And then the second question is, as far as timelines go, we've heard from landowners who have talked with, you know, the applicant, where are we, the city, with landowners if we're looking at this big piece of land? I mean, would the city acquire that land or would each of those landowners then have to have an agreement
10: with the city. I'd like to answer the second question first. As part of the specific plan process or any zoning amendments affecting the whole, the Northeast growth area, property owners will absolutely be communicated directly with. It's unlikely the city would be trying to acquire land. Um, there is a scenario for public improvements where that could be a thing, but just generally speaking, property owners would be notified. On your first question, at the heart of the city's unique merit hearing process is before the applicant is allowed to move through a formal review process, the council gets to decide whether they see merits of the proposal, and in this case, on the site that it is. So I believe earlier this evening, the council gave very clear direction to staff that you want us to look at battery storage facilities generally and specifically in the Northeast growth area, and maybe in other places as well this item is about this specific site and whether there's merits of considering a battery storage facility on this specific site.
16: Merits of considering it. And so during that consideration, other locations may come up. But if we vote no on this tonight, then where are we if we vote no?
10: Then staff will be working with this applicant I believe there's another gentleman in the room who's also interested in battery storage and others in the Northeast growth area on an appropriate location for a battery storage facility. Whether it's in that, in the Northeast growth area, whether it's someplace else, it would be part of the process the council launched this evening.
2: Are you good? Okay, I,
0: um, and thank you for everything. My plea to this council tonight and and we couldn't even discuss it. And Dana made a great point. And this is not open for negotiation right now. But my plea to the council tonight is give these folks the opportunity to bring us back a development agreement that could be lucrative to the city more than the $400,000. And I'm gonna be very open and honest right now because you and I have talked about this. You know, I would probably want you out in 10 years. Um, I would definitely want, millions and millions of dollars from you guys coming to the city of Vacaville. I'm going to want to see something. And if that scares you, well, then that scares you. But I'm going to give you the opportunity to come back and go, Ron, I'm going to put a sports complex in here. Well, hey, listen, a sports complex in here just for the 10 years that I'm going to be here. You know, I want to hear something from you. And we've discussed this, and I know I'm joking right now, but I want to know how much, can I take from you guys, from your amount that you're gonna make, and how quickly can we sweep you up and get you out of here so I could put a biotech um, campus out there? Now, I'll tell you right now, the state fund promised, promised the city of Vacaville that they would double their campus. It sits out there, same, same size. I don't know how many years ago, that had to be 10 years ago. Novartis left us all that left us, to say that this biotech is coming and it's gonna be here, and, and I, I appreciate it, I do. Um, and it might, again, that crystal ball I would be great if we just said, oh yeah, these people are absolutely coming, but if I'm not going to sit here tonight and let these people leave when they can come and bring me maybe possibly millions of dollars extra in this development agreement or community benefit, that's a beautiful sounding thing, I wanna hear it. And if you come up and you say, hey, all we can come up with is this, I'm probably gonna vote no. So just be aware of that. You're gonna have to come up with something dazzling and say, hey, I'm gonna get out of your way so you can have this biotech campus. And so tonight, I'm gonna motion to move this forward and dazzle me. I'm looking at all you guys, dazzle me, bring me money. That's all I want from you, really, I just want money. And let's move this forward, at least give you an opportunity, we might still vote no on you. And I'll make that informed motion. Thank you.
4: I want the jobs that biotech brings that saves people's lives.
11: Okay, thank you.
0: And I'm um, I'll do
11: a of roll call vote. Course.
1: Council member Wiley?
2: Yes.
1: Vice Mayor Roberts? No. Council member Sullivan?
14: Uh, no, on this location.
1: Council member Stockton? Council member Ritchie, council member Silva. No. Mayor Rowlett.
0: Yes, so it dies. Thank you very much. Okay, we will move on to the next item. Item nine C.
9: Thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of the council. This next item is a resolution authorizing the filing of an application with the Metropolitan Transportation Commission for allocation of transportation development act funds. We have Brian McLean, assistant director of public works
27: to make the presentation. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, City Council. Uh, tonight's presentation will be done by Lori DeMassa, our Transit Coordinator.
28: Thank you. Good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor and Council. As stated, this item is seeking authorization to file an application with the Metropolitan Transportation Commission for allocation of Transportation Development Act funds for fiscal year 2223 in the the amount of $9,757,370 for Vacaville City Coach transit operations and capital projects. The City Coach program is funded through three sources collected passenger fares, federal dollars through the Federal Transit Administration, and state funds through the Transportation Development Act. The Transportation Development Act funds are generated through local sales and fuel tax. The Metropolitan Transportation Commission is the metropolitan planning organization responsible for allocation and distribution of TDA funds. The estimated available funds for fiscal year 22-23 is approximately 5.3 million. And in order to access the TDA funds, a TDA application must be submitted to MTC.
2: City Coach's TDA funding needs for operations consists of
28: various public transit programs. These programs are uh, City Coach Fixed Route, City Coach Special Services, which is our paratransit program, City Coach Direct, which is our microtransit on demand program, our local taxi script program, and our contribution to the intercity taxi script program. For fiscal year 22-23, the TDA operations request is $2,272,370. TDA funding for City Coach Capital needs are for the following eight projects. Project number one, which was previously approved by City Council is the electrification charging system infrastructure for $2,260,000. Project number two, previously approved by City Council is the electric bus procurement for $3 million. Project number three, previously approved by City Council is the expansion of the transit building for $1 million. Project four is to procure transit amenities and COVID-19 sanitation requirements for $250,000. Project five, fixed route bus fleet upgrades is for 400,000. Project six, upgrades to our transit compressed natural gas station for $100,000. Project seven, which was previously approved by city council, is the corporation yard administration building for $375,000. Project eight is for the transit facility maintenance upgrades for $100,000. This brings the total TDA capital request for fiscal year 22-23 to 7,485,000.
27: And council, just a quick update on project number one, the uh, electrification charging system project. Uh, We were notified by PG&E just last week, we received our congratulations letter and so, our grant application through the EV fleet program was accepted. Uh, the project estimate uh, that we will be generating uh, savings from through that project by PG&E picking up that work is over a half a million dollars. Um, additionally, on the uh, the bus procurement, as uh, Lori and I presented back in March of this year, uh, we were uh, woke, wake, waking up and making sure we are ready for the uh, opening uh, of the California uh, electric vehicle zero emission bus hybrid um, incentive program. Uh, we were able to get our application in at the crack of dawn and we were uh, ultimately awarded $1.2 million, which helped to offset our cost and reduce this cost at the TDA. So, both successes in uh, achieving those grant fundings.
28: For the project site, for project number one, the transit electrification charging system, and project three, the expansion of the transit building is at the City of Vacaville Corporation Yard, located at 1001 Allison Drive. In terms of environmental, the action before you of seeking authorization to submit a TDA application is exempt from CEQA. The electrical charging system infrastructure project and the expansion of the transit building will be evaluated prior to project initiation. These projects will be managed through the Public Works Capital Improvement Program and we will bring them back um, to City Council for consideration of project award authorization at a future Council meeting. For fiscal impact and strategic goal, in terms of fiscal impact, there is no impact to the city's general fund. City Coach is a self-funded program and the remaining TDA balance will be maintained for maintenance of transit infrastructure and vehicles. The strategic goal is goal number four, to maintain effective and efficient services. And the recommendation is by simple motion to adopt the subject
0: resolution. Great, thank you for the presentation. I'll open it up to public comment. Seeing no public comment tonight, I'll bring it back for motion.
14: Uh, on motion.
0: Thank you, I'll second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Great. 9D, Assistant City Manager.
9: Thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of the council. Uh, up next, we have a council uh, presentation on the Baccaville Police Department Clinical Services Unit by Paula Ledoux, our Clinical Services Administrator and Chief Schmetzler.
22: Thank you, Georgianne, Mr. Mayor, Vice Mayor, members of the council. I am pleased to sit up here with uh, Paula Ledoux, our clinical services administrator, to give an overview of FIRST, FRC, PAL, and our clinical services division. You'll be amazed with the amount of work that's being done. So without further ado, Paula Ledoux.
29: Good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Council members. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share with you a little bit about the work that we do and I am going to provide um, some numbers about um, the work that our staff has accomplished in the past fiscal year. Um, So first slide. Okay, so just uh, a broad overview of um, who we serve, basically everyone, different different programs and um, services are offered to different folks. Um, Victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, elder abuse, human trafficking and child abuse are assisted in our first unit, Family Investigative Response Services team. We also help first time youth offenders in both our youth development programs and youth services section. Counseling programs. Children and youth in the schools age five through 18. Um, We have counseling programs. Families with children zero to 17 in the Family Resource Center. Low income individuals, families and seniors struggling to meet basic needs are all assisted in the Family Resource Center. And again, vulnerable children and youth. Uh, And this just um, little org chart just to show uh, the different units. Um, Overall clinical services is, part of two different units, the first unit and the YSS unit. Um, So it's multidisciplinary and we're co-located with the detectives. Um, We have detectives in the first unit and detectives in youth services and the clinical staff and the detectives all work together um, to assist the citizens. Um, Family Resource Center um, is a child abuse abuse prevention model. So we work closely with child welfare services and there are networks of family resource centers all over the state. So I'm a member of a state resource um, council and then also um, Solano County Children's Network um, does the coordination for our county and we work closely with all the family resource centers in the city. Uh, And so folks come to us usually for for basic needs when they're in crisis and they need financial assistance. but we we do more than just that. We're not just handing out checks or you know providing rent without really um, meeting with folks and talking to them and doing a comprehensive assessment. We have an assessment tool that we use. It's a matrix assessment um, where we we look at the whole family and um, including um, community engagement, engagement in schools, um, what types of um, relationships they have with their children. Um, whether or not the children might be at risk of any type of abuse, um, how engaged uh, they are um, in other community. In terms of recreation, we do a lot of referrals to um, recreation here, also the PAL program, which is another PAL program we have. And so I have a list of, in the past year, um, numbers of people that we served in amounts, and we did 616 of these basic needs assessments where we we helped we helped folks. Um, with rent, food, and utilities. Um, Season of Sharing uh, Rental Assistance is another program that um, our workers actually complete the applications and and work with Season of Sharing to do that, and we had 70 families assisted with that. Um, 800 boxes of diapers were distributed. Um, We do that um, in in, um, partnership with the First Five Commission in the county. Uh, We also assist our housing department here in the city Um, and this year we helped with 127 emergency vouchers, mainstream vouchers. Um, So our staff works with the the housing specialists and folks will come into our office and um, meet with us and we'll assist with that. And then we also teach parenting classes um, and this year 24 families attended the parenting classes. So in the SVU, as I mentioned, we we work with the detectives. So the cases come from patrol and all of of the cases that have to do with any of these um, types of crimes. And they're assigned to, our sergeant assigns them to um, clinical staff and detective for follow-up. And so so this year, um, our family support workers contacted 1,797 victims to offer support services. They don't all accept, obviously, but we let them know that we're there. We'll call three times. If we can't get, you know, phone contact with them, we'll send a letter with resources so they can um, 83 victims were assisted with restraining orders by our staff, um, and 120 cases um, had, had follow-ups with that. Um, we also will accompany the victims to court if they don't have transportation. And just for support, because it can be overwhelming, and if they're not, you know, sure what that process looks like. And so last year we had 195 court accompaniments, um, and then you can see the, all the the cases that we we worked with and followed up on. Okay, so in our youth services section, we have prevention and intervention. The youth development programs include our Police Activities League and also summer at City Hall. Those have grown um, quite a bit in the last few years. And then our intervention programs include the counseling um, with the contract that we have with Vacaville Unified School District. We're in all the elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools in the city providing direct counseling in um, group, individual, and family. And then our youth diversion program is for first time offenders. Um, So if youth are arrested and they don't have um, a, a history Um, instead of being sent to probation and becoming involved um, with the criminal court, they can agree to participate in our um, diversion program where they meet with the diversion counselor, uh, usually like twice a month, and um, are required to complete community service and maybe attend counseling. The contract will differ for each individual. Uh, We also have the prison outreach program um, uh, with, um, run by the, some of the inmates that work with our um, gang intervention family support worker, where we are able to bring youth and their parents through a program there. Um, it's not like scared straight, they're not mean to the youth, they're actually very nice to them and talk to them and provide counseling and a lot of encouragement. Um, pretty good program. Okay, PAL, uh, again with the prevention. Um, we have um, PAL kids and PAL teens. Um, The PAL teens work um, alongside our our staff and um, helping with the PAL kids and help run those programs. Um, Some of the activities that we do include Shop with a Cop, Present Patrol. Uh, We take the, the youth to leadership conferences. Junior Giants every summer is a big program that we do where officers come out and help. Um, we also have had mental wellness workshops where we have the youth actually um, leading some of those and really helping with the planning for that. Um, you know, they'll come to the youth round table and participate in all of those planning meetings. So that's <clears throat> more leadership development for them. And just some numbers for you with the these youth development programs. We had 208 youth served last year, uh, 121 male, 87 female. 94 meetings and activities with a total of 1,885 visits. 15 um, counseling interns, so these are not employees, these are volunteers earning, um, they're, they're usually master's degree students and they're getting their clinical counseling hours towards licensure and also towards their degree. And our mental health coordinators and clinicians do the clinical supervision for them. And they are located in all the schools in the district, and that's a contract that we have with Bachelbel Unified. And last year we had 2,281 counseling sessions. Um, And there was a huge um, increase in the number of um, uh, students that had indicated possible suicidal ideation. So our our interns and staff assist with that did 120 suicide assessments last year. and we provide individual group and family family sessions. And you could see with the pie chart that the greatest issue that um, the youth were concerned with in this past year was anxiety. And then the second largest was depression and then family conflict And we had forty two youth participate in our diversion program with a seventy nine percent success rate for completion. Right now there's uh, 17 current open cases where they're working through their contract. Um, and so with when they are on the diversion, we assess all of them with, uh, it's called the MAZE, and it's a substance abuse assessment. And if, so if that's an issue for them and they need help with that, but maybe not treatment, uh, we'll refer them to the in-house group that we do, intervention group um, that has some, um, um, Provides kind of psychoeducation on substance abuse and helps them identify maybe what they're, why they're using and what can you do instead. Um, And we refer to all kinds of um, community programs also that can be helpful. I'm not gonna go through every single one of these, but we included this just to show you um, that there are different funding sources. Number one on top, FRC, that's City of Vacaville, that you all voted to fund for our Family Resource Center, so thank you very much, we appreciate it. We used to get that funding from the county, but we no longer do, so this really, really helps our families when they're in crisis. Um, And then also the um, American Recovery Act um, funds that you voted for us, we've been spending that quickly. Um, And the rest are contracts that we have through Children's Network and um, other grants. Um, so we look for grants, even if they're small, just to help, but, and they're all direct, um, direct um, financial assistance to the clients, not funds for staff or salaries. For our staffing, uh, right now we have uh, the clinical services administrator, myself, Three mental health coordinators, one is currently vacant, one is anticipated um, to retire in November, so we'll be down two. Uh, Mental health clinician, um, one full-time, our part-time just started this year. Uh, We have a management analyst at PAL, uh, some of you may know, Judith Franco, and one at the main PD, and we uh, currently have one program coordinator, she assists in the youth development programs. We have five family support workers, um, three at first, one at youth services, and one currently vacant, that should be first, for the first unit. And with college interns, that's actually, um, uh, one filled, two vacant, should say now, two filled, one vacant, making progress. Uh, one admin tech, and then three office assistants. and. That's the total, and that's it. All right. We're not asking for anything, (laughs) just letting you know what's going on.
0: (laughs) First of all, thank you very much for the presentation. You guys, uh, I don't think anyone understands how much you actually save not only uh, finances for the city. Uh, It's so much preventative, um, you know, with the kids and, and with uh, the domestic violence and, and everything else that goes on out there. And and no one really hears about you. I know we always dote on our police department. They are fantastic. I love them all. However, you guys do a ton of work behind the scenes that nobody sees.
29: We, we are the police department too. I just
0: I understand that. <laughs> and I appreciate the comment. However, I don't think you guys get enough credit and I'm trying to give you guys credit Thank because you. you guys are fantastic. I've been able to take uh, tours throughout my career sitting up here. And a lot of folks didn't know uh, that you guys, a lot of your stuff was on a chopping block when we were in the recession.
2: Yes, And I was I like remember.
0: pulling my hair out <laughs> because I was like, no, they, you don't understand how much this actually saves us. I know right off the bat, I think you said 1.7 million, everybody's like, oh, we save 1%. You guys do a fantastic job. Thank you very much. I, I'm excited that you came down tonight. I'm gonna open it up public comment I'm gonna close public comment and bring it back. And I believe Councilmember Sullivan was up first and I apologize if you weren't, but go ahead.
14: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I echo the mayor's comments. I think it's it's some of your employers are some of my favorite employees in the entire city. You guys just do such amazing, wonderful work. And, you know, I have a day job in, in government as well. And I just, I haven't seen a program like this in my travels and probably a three county radius and just the services you guys offer are amazing. Um, I've had to use the services personally for myself a couple uh, once actually, in in probably one of the, the lowest you know points in my family's life, and it just the the, the professionalism, the caring nature, and just the the big hearted, confidential professional staff that you have is just is was just so so deeply appreciated. Um, I, you mentioned there's one hundred and forty six thousand dollars from the school district. I assume that's probably their contribution for the clinician interns. Is that? So
29: the interns are not paid. We use it to pay for the, well, now we're using it to pay for the part-time mental health clinician and then a little bit of the salaries of the two coordinators on city staff that do the clinical supervision for them. Okay. And then some of it is for supplies, art and play therapy supplies. All
14: right. And then you mentioned the County is no longer contributing to the program. Is that correct? Correct. Is, Is there a reason why that's the case or why?
29: They, oh yeah, it's, Politics. (laughs) Politics. <laughs> sure.
14: Well, I guess the reason I ask. I mean, so my day job now in Yolo is working for Yolo County Mental Health Services. Yeah. One of my programs, and yeah. we contribute. Um, we're actually standing a program up now to have a full time mental health clinician, paid for by the county, in every school district. And yes. We're pumping image safe funds into the cities, yeah. and we're. I w- if I could find a police department like you guys in Yolo County, I would so, be showering you with money and, and yeah, trying to hire we, clinicians because we can't find we, them. So that's not happening here. We is what went. It we like.
29: went, you know, to the county meetings and tried to advocate as a network, but they right. chose to spend it on other programs.
14: I, I, I mean, I know in the city manager, I, I would love if we can advocate at some sort of higher level for that. I think that actually is a bit of an atrocity on the, on the county's part, seeing that they have so much money coming in for children's mental health. And quite frankly, the services are pretty limited. Um, they're great services, but again, the work that you guys are doing in the schools compared to what the county's doing is pound for pound. I mean, it's just hands down really effective. So I don't know how we can broker that higher level discussion I mean, I'm gonna call a couple of my county friends um, soon because th- th- I mean, we need to fix that. And I think again, you have a successful delivery model. They should be funding you. That's, they get millions from the federal government for that. The last piece I wanna add really quickly is, so I, second to that, I think we should be matching whatever the school district's shipping in. So we had 86,000 or something like that. I'd love to see 146,000 next year as a match. I mean, I don't know where you guys are at on this and I know it's not the time tonight, but I think it, like Ron mentioned, it, it, a dollar of prevention is worth you know, 10 pounds of, of reactive nature on the, on the back end. So I'd love to see an increased budget request next year. I think what you guys do is so, so vital. And it also is cost savings and saves for crime prevention later. Um, so please come with an ask. I think that's one of the things that probably every one of these council members agrees on is the services you provide, which that's kind of a rarity. So I, don't be afraid to ask and ask big. We just had a council meeting, I know two meetings back and we all talked about how terrified we were of active shooters and, and students. This is how you prevent that. You have really qualified mental health clinicians on campuses. Uh, you know, we can't have a police officer on every campus. But maybe we can have a couple clinicians that are they're screening kids. But I think this is is one of the tools that we should be looking at more to lean on. And, and honestly, it's already really effective now. So how do we supercharge it? So just really proud of the services you offer. You have some amazing staff. So whatever you're doing, it's totally working. Um, thank you for coming to present again one of the hidden gems of the city. And you guys just do amazing work,
0: Councilmember Wiley.
16: All the way to adults and and families. When you talk about the school district, are you mostly in the high schools? Are you do you also deal with the elementary schools?
29: No, we're we're in every elementary school, both of the middle schools, um, Baca High, Wood, um, Kimmy. Um, I'm going to get it wrong. I was going to say Community Day, but now it's Shereen Wilkerson, I believe. Um, we're also there, so it's all of them.
16: So, my question is uh, Cambridge
29: and Foxborough, are they included? That's Travis. So, I know, but it's yeah. in Backville. No, yeah, so no. How can I, you know? They, uh, years ago we were, uh-huh. and we had another mental health coordinator that coordinated all the Travis schools, but their school board voted not to fund that anymore. So, when they stopped funding it, okay. city council yep. decided uh-huh. not to pay for the mental health Five people
16: are running for two spots, so I might ask the question of the candidates for school board where they are with funding that. Um, so I know that people at Travis have participated or been able to participate in the parent project. Yes. Is that through this? Yes. So that is available to yes. Travis. Yes. Just not having a clinician in the
29: Yes, school. and they, if they're Vacaville residents, they come to the Family Resource Center and get help. Right. Yeah, right. also. Okay.
16: Okay, and then I do have uh, one question. When you were talking about the Special Victims Unit yes. on the chart, mm-hmm. one of the little acronyms was TRO, and I didn't know what was. I'm sorry, was.
29: Temporary Restraining Order. Oh, okay, thank mm-hmm. you.
16: Now I know. Yes. That's
0: it. Fantastic. All right, uh, Council Member Silva.
4: Thank you, Paula. and. Um, Congratulations on taking a tough seat from Gloria.
29: Um, Big shoes to fill. (laughs) Yeah. Um,
4: uh, So maybe I'll just start off with uh, a back to school. Um, So, you know, we're talking about, you know, um, prevention and whatnot. So my understanding uh, was that we had, we were able to have a police officer or someone in uniform at every single school site to back to school, including I think somebody was at Payton, I forget who, but uh, yeah. (laughs) So um, So. uh, maybe can you comment on that? Uh, Chief.
22: Absolutely. This was uh, actually something that was brought to me by Captain Poland and some others in the department. Um, Obviously with what we discussed at the, it was either the previous council meeting or the one before, with all the things that have happened nationwide and obviously parents are, you know, somewhat on edge um, and it's an emotional day anyways, especially at the elementary schools, there's a lot of kids crying because mom and dad are dropping them off for maybe the first time. So to have uh, a uniformed uh, member of the police department standing out there with the principal um, and other staff members, uh, it, it's just, it was something that it, it only took maybe 30, 45 minutes at the most, but we were able to make those connections both at the beginning of the school day and then as they let out school as well, I got to meet uh, the new principal at Wilsey Wood, which was fantastic. And so it's just another one of those engagement opportunities that we have um, and it's critically important, especially with, um, you know, with the youth and their parents. So that's, I'll give credit to yeah. Captain Pullman for that.
4: Thank you. And I think, um, so a couple of things. Um, so I kind of shared that to somebody who's very, that I personally know is very critical of uh, policing. And the first thing was like, oh, so communi- community policing, that's great. So um, you please that particular individual. Um, and, uh, and I think that's, you know, that's what it takes, um, you know, uh, to approach our, our folks who may be having a lot of issues going at home, um, the mental health issues that may be going at home or stresses just, you know, um, which I know is uh, a big overlap, that obviously influences the well-being of the kids. Um, and it just shows that how we're all, how we're all truly committed towards um, doing what we can within our capacity to, uh, to create a better, um, better quality of life for everybody involved. Um, can you comment real quick on some of the PAL activities? I've seen one um, well, very familiar with um, uh, you know, um, Junior Giants over the summer. Yes. Um, I saw a, a camping trip, so I've been talking about camping trips privately yes. uh, with Judith Franco, so I'm a little jealous yes. I didn't get invited. They went
29: camping. Um, but they I went think this is D.C. absolutely amazing.
4: She yeah, I saw the DC trip. Yes. I don't know what DC we'll has in. that City Hall don't have. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, can you comment a little bit more about that?
29: Uh, yeah, just that, that 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 all happened. And I think what was really great about it um, from feedback from staff and what I saw is that um, a lot of the families that brought their, their children would not, they wouldn't have access to that otherwise. You know, they can't afford Little League or Travel Ball or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And A lot of them were clients that we've worked with for years and that our staff know and have known for years. So that's the Junior Giants specifically. Yeah. For the youth that um, got to go to DC, that was for the uh, PAL conference in DC, a leadership conference. None of them had ever flown before, and again, it's the same thing. It's, you know, from families that there's no way they could have afforded that; they wouldn't have the opportunity. So, you know, it, it opens it's opening a whole new world for them.
4: Um, so my only my only question as far as services go, and um, so I'm hearing a lot of concerns from uh, different residents, um, you know, throughout the town, but particularly certain areas. Uh, do you see any challenges with our ability to connect with uh, certain demographics in our city? Um, as far as maybe uh, certain folks may reporting um, issues happening, or issues happening, or uh, re- um, going out to ask for help? Are there any, or is there any type of disparities or any type of data that shows we need to?
22: Paula can probably speak to a little bit more specifics, but I know in working with Gloria for as many years as, as I did that, There is concern and it kind of ebbs and flows depending on sort of the broader social issues that might be taking place in the country about um, certain groups that are are fearful of coming forward to report crime or domestic violence. That throw in a pandemic when everybody is pretty much forced to be together. um, You don't have those reporting opportunities that would normally arise at the school site where you have a child that's either observed you know, that, that something doesn't look right or is able to confide in an adult that something's not right. So all of those, I think, kind of um, have really come to a, an apex over the last few years. And in looking at the numbers that, that Paula's um, discussing, and again, she can get more into you know, sort of um, the underrepresented uh, groups and, and the challenges with that reporting. Uh, it's just been a watershed um, period of time. I, I had a chance to welcome the the new interns last week. And um, I've said before, you know, if we could give you double points, we would, because the need is so critical now with, um, I mean, you've seen the, the statistics with the number of, of youth that are really struggling, anxiety, depression. Um, so I'll let Paula maybe talk about some of the challenges with, with um, you know, certain groups did. Yeah. Have
29: so developed. I didn't pull numbers in terms of demographics and who we help, but I know in the 23 years that I've been here, when we do those reports, it we typically serve um, a number that's um, percentage-wise proportionate to the population. Um, so that it's not disparate. I know sometimes mm-hmm. you might see that with a, arrests, and you know when we do the probation. Multidisciplinary, sometimes you see that, but for us with our services, we don't. And I think it does help that most of our staff is bilingual and bicultural, and also just that we've been there for so many years. And um, so the community, you know, word kind of gets out. And even when we get a new source of funding, people will call and say, Hey, I heard there's new funding for something, or I, you know, I heard I could get diapers or whatever. Um, And word kind of spreads fast. So, um, yeah.
4: You know, and, um, so just uh, and this the last comment. So, um, you know, again, I'm very grateful for the council for approving funding to bring on a, a group called Health Education Council. Um, I'm, uh, well, I'm, not, I'm not giving direction, but um, I, I will share your contact for you for them to contact you and have uh, you and your team's input. Um, to me, uh, my my part of my efforts is really focusing on how do we uh, support, um, I guess, a grassroots, or how do we support the community, the, the community members themselves bring up and be the advocates for the direction that they would like to see um, their neighborhoods and and, um, uh, community move forward. So um, you obviously are doing a great job already. So thank you.
29: Thank you.
20: Thank council member Stockton. Yes, thank you for the presentation. Thank you for the hard work that you do uh, and the kids and and the families that you serve. Um, What I, I just wanted to, Find out. So you're you're all clinicians, but do you work? I know you're part. You said you're part of the police department, which mm-hmm. I love hearing.
29: Yeah, I'm that. a police department employee.
20: Right. So right. do you actually have sworn officers that are assigned to work with you, or do yes. you reach out? Okay, yes. Okay. So how, how many? Yes.
29: I work. Have, I work with. Um, we have one sergeant in the first unit. So my my office is in the first unit, but I oversee first and youth services section. Um, so our unit has a sergeant, and it's supposed to have four detectives, but right now we only have three, just because of. Staffing issues sure. that we're, we have right now, um, and, and we work with the detectives on the cases. Our our advocates are um, certified domestic violence advocates. Um, most of them have at least a bachelor's degree, and so they, they it is confidential. Um, however, you know we still work. We work together. We advocate for the clients with the detective, or the detective might you know want us to give a message to the victim, and you know we're there. We're together, and we, we work together. <coughs> The offices are right in the same, oh, same suite. Yeah. So
20: so everybody's next to each other to help each other. Literally, yeah. We're all
29: and we're all friends and yeah. So
20: do you, do I understand correctly that, that we actually have clinicians that are handling diversion with the kids that you know instead of going to juvenile hall or yes, um, a exactly. It's clinician. That exactly.
29: It's a, if you've ever heard the phrase like. Um, school to prison pipeline, you know, we're trying to prevent that and stop it and offer support for the family and support for the students instead.
20: That's fairly unique. Um, There are a lot of other agencies that don't employ that model and actually have youth services, um, school resource officers and stuff filling that role. So I think it's very forward thinking and innovative. We are very fortunate in Vacaville Mm -hmm. to have people like you assisting our law enforcement officers in our community and providing Mm -hmm.
29: Yeah, um, our school resource officers are very integrated into their schools right. and very involved in the schools. And sometimes they're more like the social workers than the social workers, yeah.
20: That's good too. It takes the yeah. right person to fill that yeah. role. Mm-hmm. But it is nice to know that they have professionals like you assisting them along the way to serve yes. the community. So thank you for what you do.
0: Thank you. Councilmember member Ritchie.
20: All right.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I figured it didn't matter.
19: Ah, sorry. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's better now for some reason. Um, I, I just really kind of thank you for everything you do. It's the first time I met you. Uh, but, uh, so I don't have a relationship you know, the last person in the role you took over, but um, kind of piggybacking into what really uh, with Sullivan and, and Silva Stockton kind of poured out passionately. Um, it's, it's amazing. I got wilds, reaping the information from first, and then the, uh, the SRO program kind of segues from the last time, kind of poured out passion, like how important I think it is to. Get this right. Make sure we have the SROs in place. the Kids go back to school. How important that is. Make sure that um, all of our units are, are staffed. And the way work you do is amazing. Like all the t- all the things are broken down. It's just it's just staggering how much work you guys do behind the scene. Um, I mean, just some of the numbers stuck out. Like 197 different times you guys have helped people go to court. There's only 250 business days in a year. It was every day. Mm-hmm. You guys are, are pulling someone off. Uh, another task to help a person that that's actual tangible i, mean, it's just, I saw that i heard the numbers. like my god that's you you are taking someone out of the, out of the community to assist them to go to fairfield and they're being they're outside of the, the ability to help other people in vacanville but that person most support person in the world to them and i appreciate what you're doing in think, 91 cases that's a lot and we're, we're very busy. Yeah, it's I mean, that's very busy, but, but that's also that business adds restrained on, on your team and strain on, on the whole police department. And, it's just, and staffing came up and then talk about three big positions and SVU. I mean, for me, it's like the most important thing is like making sure if we can't take care of our, our youth and elderly, who are we? I mean, that's we gotta kind of protect the kids and make sure that the most vulnerable and also our women. Are just protected. I mean, there's um, there's a few things I want to start, but um, in, in the city, but it's just when you talk human trafficking, and domestic violence. I shared a case with an officer at the, at the gym. Um, I belong to a group. It's um, about, it's like black professionals, and there's a case they're about just on inside this little group about a female lawyer that almost got caught in human trafficking. So she was well off, and in her car, people pretending like they're in trouble. They went up to her window, and they said, "Help! Help us!" There's two girls. It was a total, total scam, scam. And she was being nice. She helped them. They came back. Oh, here, thank you so much. They handed her a rose. And so she's like, "Didn't think nothing out of it." On, the, on, the, on her thing, they came back ten minutes later. They're looking inside of the car, and it was laced with fentanyl. They're expecting her to smell the rose, pass out, and take her from human trafficking. Like that, that happens, mm-hmm. and like it's it's just when I heard the story, <clears throat> here my voice goes. It just really made me think about how important it is to have a fully staffed, um, you know, like the first and S, the SVU. I mean, these are people that that could be your sister or your daughter. Yeah,
29: I forgot to mention the human trafficking assistance yeah, that is, we provide, but big, we do that. Like, Our FSWs do that too. To me, like that's,
19: that's human trafficking is. I mean, it's a very, it's a very profitable pipeline for mm-hmm. a lot of the cartels and, and gangs. Okay. I mean, it's very, it's, it's it's something that, if we can do something to stop sex trafficking, human trafficking, along with making sure kids in our schools are safe, mm-hmm. I'm all for it. And it's just, myself, I hear the number of staffing. Yeah, three positions, it doesn't sound like a lot, but if you're handling almost 2,000 cases, that's strain. And so what do you miss by just being too busy? So like, my, my kind of, question ask is for your department is are two positions sorry, three positions is that all you need or what else what else can help and then overall if SVU is I have a question mark so like if, that, if that's in strength <coughs> what else do we need to do to staff or at least get a number like can you provide us a number, sir, of like your total staffing. Like where are they where are the holes? Like where are the where are the holes in the in the, the cheese? What do we need to do I'll to make prepare. sure
22: All over back. Well, I I know, but let's start here. And before my voice goes out, um, like I I can share. So um, specifically to SVU, um, it's actually we have a sergeant and we have four total detective positions. Three are currently filled, so we're actually only down one in that position. Um, Every other specialty assignment has at least one, uh, up to three vacancies. So we're Again, it, it goes back to that prioritization of, of looking at what we're, you know, what, what the needs of the community are, and making those adjustments on a on a very regular basis. So you mean, like each department has up to three vacancies. Each unit, yeah. Some units have, you know, investigative services section. For instance, they normally have um, uh, nine uh, nine detectives, um, and that includes digital crime. So the the child pornography yeah, yeah. investigations. <laughs> um, so we have that position staffed, but because of the the need for patrol staffing. Um, When somebody retires, um, we'll have 11 more retirements before uh, the end of the year. When somebody retires, um, then that patrol staffing position needs to be filled. And so we have to delay uh, putting somebody else in that position. We have minimums that we go to within each of the specialty assignments. um, But if we hit a certain number, it it essentially nullifies that assignment. So it's a constant uh, you know, review and revision of of what where staffing needs to be moved and, and how we do that, um, and it's you know it's it's symptomatic um, to to law enforcement all over the place, and it's just a matter of, and I great credit to um, to the city management, to finance and HR, everybody putting their heads together to look at solutions for, you know how we we stay competitive right. and how we um, in the region how we work to you know, show off our product. Uh, Vacaville has a lot of intangible uh, incentives. Uh, It's a great place to live and to work. That's kind of one of our themes, live, work, serve, all in the same community. And so being able to work with, um, you know, within the city department family to be able to come up with these solutions and how do we, you know, get ourselves out there and and attract more uh, lateral and academy graduate um, candidates. We still have a, a decent pipeline of entry level folks, but again, those take almost a year uh, from the time we hire them until they're out on the street. So uh, I would say, you know, that's, that's the biggest challenge is just the, the, the recruiting, but I, I can also tell you that I know there, there is work being done.
19: Yeah, I just, thank you. I mean, it's just, I heard the numbers. I have a voice, I heard the numbers. Um, it's just, it's a lot of work and what, what you're doing is so important. And I just, to me, it's I, overarching, it's like, you know, burnout, I mean, you guys can get burnout helping other people. So it, it's just, it's something that's it's really happened, so.
22: One, one other thing real, yeah, uh, real quick. Um, so specific to, to um, what Paula's section, what we found is this was kind of the first year, uh, last year to a certain degree, but this was the first year we were really, really able to look at PAL. Okay. Um, and, and PAL uh, previously was not part of the police department. So about two and a half, three years ago, it, it came over to PD. The pandemic hit, so everything kind of shut down. So PAL still managed to kind of persevere online. But this is the first um, time we've actually been able to really look at the, the PAL programming and, and what the needs are. And so we've, we've been in, in discussions with um, city staff um, to look at, at the mid-year augmentation um, and add addition, potentially add additional staff um, specifically to PAL. Uh, for instance, the Junior Giants program was incredibly successful. Um, over a hundred, I want to say close to either a hundred or just over a hundred kids served, but there was a waiting list that was almost the same length. Yeah. And so, to have the, the staffing to be able to really maximize these programs and then you know continue to expand what we want because it is prevention; it's a preventative method.
29: And, and right now, um, we're pulling staff from First and YSS, the diversion. It's all the staff that we have are getting pulled to try to keep the yeah. PAL and youth development going. So that's caused a lot of
19: so, so that, that, that's difficulty. one thing, like, like pulling here, pulling there, right. it's just, it's just, it's playing the game. Like, and, like, mm-hmm. and Nolan hit on the conversation, sorry, closer. Nolan hit on it pretty well about, the fact is we have a council right now that's, that's we're, very, we're very proactive and we wanna make sure that we're all kind of firing all cylinders. And I think this is the right time. I mean, this is the time I think, like instead of pulling here, pulling there, what would it take to make sure that the most vulnerable, the first human trafficking sex Violence, sex trafficking, and kids on in, in campuses. counselors, what would it take to take, make sure you're not pulling people off SVU. Like, hey, you need to go here and stop, stop you know chasing sex trafficking from county to county or large, large, large you know, drug deals. Because you have to go over here. I mean, stay hunting the big dogs and help kids. The, like, we need to make sure, like, this thing, the time. It really kind of, I just want to find out what would it take to fill the gaps. So you're not like pulling here and pulling there, to make sure that all departments are, are, are firing all cylinders, because it's like, it's like whack-a-mole. You, yes. pull, you pull, over here, and all of a sudden, like, now these people are, are being underserved. All of a sudden, now like, domestic violence is not getting the attention. But then sex trafficking is, is going to get in trouble. Like, I just couldn't sleep at night knowing that that, that money or, or lack of staffing is the reason why someone's daughter got took on the way home from school. I mean, it's just I went. We got to make sure that that happens like with the camera system we're doing, like whatever we can do in the city, to make it more safe, you got to make it happen. That's it, I gonna voice okay. it
0: done. Okay, we will <clears throat> move on down to Vice Mayor Roberts.
26: Yeah, thank you. I uh, appreciate the presentation, what you guys do. So like growing up, we didn't have these resources, like especially in the 90s, like policing was a little bit different, social services was different. I had a family that struggled with substance abuse, alcoholism, mental health. I had a family member that was paranoid, schizophrenic, and liked to self medicate. So, very interesting household growing up in. And, and this would have been a great resource for my mother, who's a single mom at the time, having to deal with this stuff. And so, yeah, I'm all for helping out how I can. One of my stances as I got in council, most of the staff knows. Um, yeah, ask us for what what you need to operate effectively, because ultimately, the constituents are our customers, and you're the ones that actually provide the services. So, yeah, ask us for what you need. like, and then it's from there we can we can work with it by whether it's staffing or application issues, because I know we can make the positions, but it still might be difficult to staff. But ask us for what you actually need to be as effective as you can with your department services. I have
16: for you. Thank
0: you. Thank you. All right,
16: Councilmember Wiley. Sorry, I didn't have this on my list one ago. So I have enjoyed being part of the um, youth roundtable and seeing some of the programs. But have I either missed it, or you don't meet during the summer, or is that going to pick up? We again during the we school year?
29: took a pause for the summer because we were trying to run the summer at City Hall and the Junior Giants is just too much. <laughs> so we'll we'll be starting up again.
16: Okay, because I think that's very and valuable to have yes. everyone in the same room at the yes. same time. Um, so thanks for that. Yeah,
29: I was actually just looking at the calendar today, see when the closures are. So we'll, you'll, you'll be getting an email. Okay,
14: thanks. Yes. All right, Councilmember Sullivan. Uh, really quick call of comments. Uh, a couple of my peers heard some thoughts. So the first, uh, the community policing comment from Councilmember Sullivan, I thought was brilliant. I think that really does, you know, we have the SROs on the high school campuses, and they really do kind of integrate with the campus and the parents and the teachers, and it's great but elementary campuses, sometimes we have a Rover and it's a little different, but you know, I know even the other morning, seeing your staff out there was great. My, my son's going to Peyton now, so even better. Um, could you maybe see if like the um, the neighborhood commanders could maybe, maybe meet like with the site councils at the school district um, for the various campuses in their purview, like maybe once a quarter, or, I mean, I know there's typically four or five schools there, but it'd be really good to have a, f- a friendly face, a person you can call, someone you can complain about traffic or other issues to. So I, I think it'd be really cool to have the neighborhood commanders to have a, a better connection at those elementary campuses, and maybe you already do. No, uh,
22: that's a great idea. I think that'd
14: be awesome. They'd love to see you there. Um, the second issue that I'm gonna bring up, but I'm gonna bring this up later as well, but there's a huge, huge uh, traffic issue in the mornings at Peyton, which I'm sure you'd know about, but it's a nightmare. We've had kids actually die at Peyton. This is the only site in back where two students have actually died from a traffic-related fatality. It's a total nightmare. So hopefully we'll talk about that in the three by three, which I'll bring up later. Um, My last comment really quickly is I know PAL sort of got, lost their clubhouse, lost their home per se. Uh, Emily has an amazing plan to sort of hopefully bring back the Mariposa Center. I know we have a really great um, tenant, if you will, there now the Levin. They don't use the site all the time. It's used pretty infrequently, to be honest. I would love to have PAL have a physical presence there. I'd love, you know, as we start designing kind of this, this revive of the site, I would love to see PAL there practicing or using the internal space. It's a really great spot. And I think honestly, that neighborhood could use as much um, friendly police presence as possible. And so if there's any way you guys can integrate into those conversations, I'd love to have Hal have a home on that campus. I just think it'd make a ton of sense. Um, those are my comments, thanks. Um,
0: next time we're going to agendize this, this one item at a special call meeting, all right. Thank, thank you very much. We thank appreciate you so much. it. That, that's it from the council tonight. So um, reports of the assistant city manager. I have none. Um, I do wanna thank you for stepping in. Fantastic job, thank you very much. You're
9: very welcome. No, we didn't
0: make it hard enough. No, we did We were actually pretty easy on you tonight. Um, we will move to 11A, League of California Cities voting delegate. I'd like to nominate the vice mayor. Can I get a second? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Wonderful. Item 11B, uh, the new vice mayor, I would like to nominate Council Member Stockton. Can I get a second? I got a second, all those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Unanimous. Thank you, Vice Mayor, for all your help. New Vice Mayor, thank you. And uh, I will entertain, yeah, I will entertain com- comments now. Council Member Stockton.
20: So first off, thank you everyone for the opportunity and great job, Jason. And um, I know uh, we had some good conversations, so I just wanted to say thank you to everybody. Um, I heard some great things during that last um, presentation that we had from everybody. I wanted to highlight some of them. Don't be afraid to ask and ask big. We have a proactive council. Ask us for what you need and an emphasis on community policing. And I'm really happy to hear those comments because when I look in this room, I see outside of Mr. Bird, that's who's here is our staff. And we continually ask our staff to do more and more and more and more and more and more with less. And so my, my comments today are based on some of the, you know, it's in relation to some of the comments we heard at our last meeting from some of our public safety professionals. But after speaking with them, there's additional, there's additional folks at the city of Vacaville, specifically our staff that are struggling with staffing, recruitment and retention. And I'm, I'm glad that we're proactive. I'm glad that we can ask and ask big because frankly, like we really only have an opportunity right now. We're only negotiating with one of our uh, local unions with the city. Um, and I'm scared because I feel like if we wait two to three years, we're gonna be way behind with, um, you know, critical staffing levels. We just heard about the amazing things that the police department is doing. Innovative things that don't have a guy or a gal with a gun and a badge, you know, um, helping our community, but working with the police department to solve crimes and and be available to the public to assist them with with things that are occurring. There's examples of this that are happening throughout the city in every department here at, at, at Vacaville. And there's not a single department here that is not struggling to fill vacancies. So I'm asking. Um, you know, these folks have. They have uh, over the past few years, they've dealt with natural disasters, pandemics, protests, attacks on city hall, and now we're facing a recession that is affecting these folks the most. So what I'm asking, or I'm motioning, I would like to make a motion that we agendize staffing, recruitment and retention strategies, and figure out what kind of innovative ways that we can we can stop the bleeding now and, and provide the assistance to, to, to the folks that are still in this room and the, and the departments that they're in, and as well as to plan for the future. Um, I'd like to look at some creative things. We've talked about salary savings in the past. I'm wondering if we can maybe allocate a portion of salary savings to the employees that are doing the job, like for instance. on in your motion. Okay, so my motion is that we agendize Okay, I'll second I'll second your motion. The staffing, For the recruitment staffing. and retention strategies. Okay, and then
0: when we bring it back,
20: get on that box and talk. Cool. All those in favor?
0: Aye. 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 Any opposed? Okay, there you go. Did you need anything else, sir? No, thank Perfect. you. Perfect. Uh, Council member Sullivan.
14: Uh, yeah, thank you, Mayor. A couple of quick comments. Uh, big thank you to Reggie and his team in Parks and Rec. We got our Sierra Vista back to school park planning meeting coming up. We're gonna talk all about the new park, kind of Trower Park-ish. So thank you, sir, for that. I'm looking forward to it. I'll be there with you to take some good feedback. I want a big thank you to Rika and Georgianne. we got the Cal Walk study that I've been talking about for my district dollars finally done. Pretty awesome. Um, It's mostly focused on pedestrian access, traffic safety, and a few other pieces. Uh, So I'm gonna be bringing that back to council, hopefully in the next couple months before I go, because I want to get that launched. And a big thank you to Emily for getting the Mariposa project off and running with such short notice. And I know you're bringing something back to council, I think in September. Um, and I know council was, uh, you guys supported me in having those motions brought back fairly promptly. So I just want to thank you guys again. A Couple last things before I go, just really trying to get some love to that Alamo Gardens neighborhood um, and some of those kids that don't have a whole lot of resources over there. So big thank you to all of those. Last but not least is we have a three by three coming up and Silva and Stockton might know the exact date, sometime early September that we just got the invite. We did talk about uh, really, really problematic traffic issues at certain school campuses. Markham was one of them. Big thank you to Emily and the traffic team and Brian's shop that, and PD probably that really got some good traffic work done there. know we got some sidewalks, some signage, some other stuff. Hayden is, terrifying as a parent, to be totally honest. And like I said, we've had two elementary kids die there because they were run over by a car. Um, I just want to put it on council's radar. Hopefully we'll bring something back from the three by three with the school district and the city partner to do something at that paid and drop off and pickup zone because it is um, it is terrifying. And then we'll work through other schools as that comes along. And that's all my updates. And Thank you very much.
0: I'm going to close it out for the reports. And uh, it was, Fantastic. Uh, we, um, the city, uh, under my money that I can allot, uh, gave $100,000 to Play for All to help them button up the first phase. They were scared to death of the second phase. The second phase is a, a bigger phase. Um, and it's gonna, I'm gonna blank out. I just thought of it a second ago, but, uh, and I'm gonna have Tom come down here and, and give us a little um, presentation. But another, uh, uh, and, and unless you guys know, someone stepped forward with $450,000, and then the state of California finally released some money to them. They got $1.7 million. That's gonna complete the whole second phase, way ahead of schedule, what they thought was gonna happen. It's fantastic. I'm so excited for those folks, and I will have them come back. It's gonna be a park that we don't have in this region. It's gonna be fantastic, and especially for our special needs kids out there. So. Um, Just great great news and thank you for your news too. Um, And we will move to item 12A, closed session. We will not be
2: reporting out. Good night, Vacaville.